What's happening, weirdos? This is the incredible, hilarious Brian Simpson. He was one of the new faces at Just for Laughs this year, which I was happy to host for one major reason uh, in particular, is that I love meeting the new talent. And Brian is one of those people. Of course, he's been doing it for a long time. I hadn't heard of him, though. And I'm so glad that I have now because he is unbelievable. Believable. You're about to see just how incredible he is. Uh, and he has a Netflix thing coming out very soon. So just keep an eye out for Brian on Netflix. Uh, he's also on the stand-ups and lots of stuff on YouTube as well. If you want to check him out, I highly, highly recommend it. So before we get into it, uh, a couple things to plug. My next Living at Largo show, which Brian just did the last one, is on October 7th. That is going to be an incredible show. Jermaine Fowler is going to be there. Uh, from HBO's Crashers, <laughs> my friend Jermaine. Uh, we also have Jessica Kirsten and Rachel Feinstein together, which is going to be awesome. Just an amazing show, uh, top details. I'm pretty sure Beth Stelling is also doing it. It's always an amazing show, Largo-LA.com for tickets. That's on October 7th. And then on October 18th at Largo, um, Moshe Kasher and Natasha Leggero, their Endless Honeymoon podcast is merging with We Made It Weird. So me, Val, Moshe, and Natasha are going to do the You Made It, You Made the Endless Honeymoon Weird podcast. Anyway, it's a pod blend. It's a blend of two podcasts, uh, taking questions live from the audience, doing bits live for the audience. It's going to be incredible. Again, for tickets to either of those, largo-la.com. Uh, for tickets. Hope to see you there. And as always, if you like this podcast, show some support. Uh, it's easy. Just try one of the things that I actually use and actually love. We call them the Pete's Picks. Like Ned and Company, the providers of some of the best CBD you can buy on this planet we call Earth. As you guys know, CBD has been an incredible plant ally for me, helping with stress, anxiety, sleep, inflammation, and pain. It is a wonderful alternative to over-the-counter pharmaceuticals, and Ned makes full-spectrum hemp oil extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by a farmer named Jonathan. They know who their farmers are, and these farmers are incredibly passionate about the hemp that they grow. It's not a thousand acres of GMO corn and a little patch of hemp. This is in Peonia, Colorado. You can find it. Do an image search of Peonia, Colorado on their website. They have all this transparency about who grows it and where it's grown. And when I say they're passionate about this hemp, I mean they are passionate about this hemp. Their products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to over-the-counter drugs. They're chock full of premium CBD and full-spectrum active cannabinoids. Uh, and also to mention these other things I can't say very well, terpenes, flavonoids, and trichomes. Trichomes? Tri tri trichomes. What I'm saying is the science is there and you're getting everything that CBD uh, has to offer all in one place. It nourishes the body's endo endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. And they have a new product, which I just tried this week, which I am absolutely in love with. It's called their De-Stress Blend. It is a one-for-one -one formula of CBD and CBG, which is known of the as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it 
it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. And it's got ashwagandha, an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And they top it off with cardamom and cinnamon, which not only tastes great, but cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health and a key player in mental health. And cardamom, which combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and your cortisol levels. So if you want to try the new de-stress blend from Ned, a brand that we love and trust, we have a special offer for weirdos. Every order over $40 qualifies for 15% off and a free de-stress blend sample. So go to www.helloned.com weird or enter WEIRD at checkout to take advantage of this offer. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash WEIRD to get 15% off, plus a free de-stress blend sample on any order over 40 bucks. Thank you, Ned, for being a Pete's Pick and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. I get into it. I also want to talk about our friends at Everlane. As you know, I am about it. Everlane is the best online clothing company it's the only online clothing company that I use because they're the best online clothing company that I've found. And they can help dress you up or dress you down, incredibly versatile, for whatever adventure, your everyday adventure you might be going on. Whether you're literally exploring a new world or going on a trip or just staying home and exploring the new world of a movie or a book or a documentary or just going to that neighborhood patio brunch spot, Everlane has premium essentials to outfit you in comfort. As you guys know, I'm a huge believer in their jean jackets. I've never found a jean jacket that I like before Everlane, and now I have the one in blue, and I got the same one in black, because as soon as I found it, I was like, I gotta make sure I have this and have one on backup. As I mentioned, you can dress it up, you can dress it down. I've worn it to fancy things, I've worn it for shows, I've also just worn it around the house because it's that soft, that well-made, that well-fitting, and that comfortable. Everlane has made quality clothing with ethical factories and radical transparent in, in their pricing since 2010. They do extensive research and vetting to make sure their factories are ethical and provide fair wages and reasonable hours, which makes me feel great about the clothing that I'm buying. They have timeless design and the finest sustainable materials so you can wear them for years to come. And most retailers hide their markups, but Everlane believes their customers have a right to know how much their clothes cost to make. In fact, they share exactly how much they cost to produce at every stage. Whether you're going about the town with your friends or a movie night with your, with your fam, from workout to takeout, swimwear to trackwear, they have styles for lounging at home or hitting up a late night spot. Their breathable organic cotton trackwear gives an elevated take on tried and true basics. And for all those beach days and pool parties, Everlane's sustainable swimwear collection that's sustainable, meaning it's made from over 13,760 pounds of recycled plastic. So get into it. They have 30-day, uh, within-the-ship-date, easy, easy, easy returns. And all uniform clothing comes with a 365-day uh, guarantee. It's a fit you can feel good about. So go to everlane.com weird and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get free returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com weird and sign up and show your support of this podcast. 
Last but not least, it's a part of my morning ritual, and I really believe it should be a part of yours. This is a great way to support not only the show, but to support your body. It's ritual multivitamins. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms your body can actually use. What you won't find is sugar, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. Plus, the fresh minty taste that literally tastes like mint when you uh, take it down, which I love, and the delayed release capsule design make taking your vitamins easy. Uh, I know a lot of people feel like you just pee out multivitamins, but that is what they're talking about with the delayed release. Ritual multivitamins don't break down until they're in your lower intestine, which is where your body can actually absorb them. It's the only multivitamin I've ever taken where I'm, I'm not just taking, uh, going to the bathroom a couple hours later and just know it's all leaving my body because of that time uh, delayed release. It's a great way to start my morning. It makes me feel ready to start my day. And a multivitamin should contain those key nutrients and fill gaps in your diet. As a mostly vegan, I have a lot of gaps in my diet and rely on Ritual for those. B12, which is hard to get as a vegan. It's also just really hard to get in general the more and more our soil gets depleted. And D3, which is so important to it for immune health. Plus, you'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. They are now available for women, men, and teens. Ritual's multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support your different stages of life. And your multivitamins, I love this part, are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. It's one of the things that motivates me to take it, as I like knowing it's sort of like the treadmill system, it's coming. So I keep taking it, keep getting it in my body, which I really appreciate. Plus, I appreciate how minimal the packaging is, and it's easy to start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. I've had to snooze it before, and the website made it incredibly easy. And if you don't love Ritual within your, within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So, Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering weirdos 10% off during your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash weird to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash weird to show your support of this show. All right, everybody. Enjoy the incredible Brian Simpson. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hope to see you at Largo October 7th for stand-up, October 18th for a live We Made It Weird. We will see you then. In the meantime, get into it. Yeah, it, you got the vibe. You got the vibe. It's a, it's a put stuff anywhere sort of place. Oh, yeah, well, and cool. believe it or not, Brian, you, you got those if you want them. I cleaned up for you. <laughs> I cleaned up. No, man. I'm, this is my life. Like, I, I try to explain this to people that, <coughs> that I'm good at comedy and I'm bad at every other part of my life. Really? Yeah, I'm very disorganized. I don't know. Maybe this is like a Marine stereotype. I was like, as soon as I saw you in the Marines, I was like, I bet you get this every single day. People are like, that discipline. You got that discipline. Yeah, it didn't bleed into your life. No, but well, it it, it did. Feel in free a... to crisscross applesauce. Whatever oh, you yeah, want. Like, yeah. put your shoes on the couch. It doesn't no, matter. Just, this uh... is a nightmare couch. Look at the stain. This was my old bachelor couch. No, And it just made it in the back here. There's also pillows. I want you to be comfortable. Like this, this is the sh- no. This is perfect. Are you good? Yeah, man. I okay, get, I get comfortable quick. I see that. Yeah. And you were saying you, I'm I'm very interested. So you don't have a lot of discipline. You're bad at everything. No, I no I <laughs> <laughs> no I have discipline, but only with things that I care about, like comedy. 
Right, right. Because when I watch your comedy, if we can, we, we're recording, by the way. I hope that's okay. Yeah. Dude, I'm fucking blown away. I really am. When I, I watched, obviously, I watched your new faces set, and I want to talk about that. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I also just watched as much as I could find online. Somebody told me you had a Netflix special, but I couldn't find it. It's not out yet. We, okay. just, we just filmed it this month. Congratulations. Yeah, oh, the, that's great. Season season three of the stand-ups. See, that's how when I searched Brian Simpson, it took me to the stand-ups, and I was like, oh, that's funny. I thought I saw most of these, and I'm looking, and you weren't in there. And uh, But it did suggest the stand-ups as if to say... He will be here. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I, can't, I can't, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I mean, it's awesome. How long have you been doing stand up? To ten years, going on eleven. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 baked in the oven, man. <laughs> you're ready to go. Yeah, I forget <laughs> who I heard say. It. I think it was Tom Segura, but he was like, "Nobody's more ready than a than a long time feature." You know, that's really funny. Yeah, Are you a long time feature? Um, I mean, yeah, here and there, you know, because I, I mean, you know. I've I've had kind of like a different path to this because I guess everyone does because this isn't there's no yeah but straight... I want to hear about yours I know what you mean though you're yeah. not just like uh, working at Bennigan's and open micing it you yeah, have something yeah. a little bit more interesting than that I mean I did I did a I did I had a real unique experience where because I started in San Diego uh-huh. and right when I started they uh, a comedy club was opening. The American one? No, the Madhouse. Madhouse. The, the American Cat opened like a year later or something. Okay. But <clears throat> I started working there immediately because they were hiring, you know. And You mean as a stand-up? Well, I was a door I was a door guy or cedar or whatever, you know. Okay. And had you done comedy yet? Sorry to keep interrupting. I've been doing at that point I'd been doing comedy for like nine months. Okay. So it's still early on. Yeah. But it wasn't like you weren't the door guy that was like, hey, I could do that. You were the comedian that was like, that's my way into the club. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and so right away, and it was it was open, it was run, it's run by a comedian. It's owned by a comic. That, that can't go wrong. Uh, it usually, you know what? It usually does, but no, but this, this guy's actually funny. He did good. And that was one of the things we never got to do on Crashing, which was the club owned by a comedian. And like, I've worked some, cl- I don't want to say what they are because I don't want to hurt their feelings. But yeah. there's the clubs where you're there, and then they're like, the owner's just going to go up and they do 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's always racist or at least homophobic. Something's off about uh, what the, op- the what the owner is doing. And then you go up. Yeah. Well, no, was, you know, that was so funny. Is this dude, he, he's so funny. Robert Lerver is his name. He's so funny, and I and when I my first few years, he, you know, he would go up every now and then, and then it got to the point where we had to like beg him to go up, and wow. and, fi- and finally, I don't think he's been up in years now, but because I, I th- he his attitude was co- was kind of like, you know, I'm I can't be a comedian and the club owner, and I'm just taking time from somebody. This that- is the um the cartoon editor at the New Yorker. I know that sounds sort of sideways or random but like it was the same thing he was a cartoonist he becomes the cartoon editor it's a little bit uh crossing streams if yeah. you're like making the lineup and you're like okay uh brian and, and then me and then you know like giving yeah. yourself well, good spots like, so I, have, I get that i have no intention it's like once you open a comedy club like you have you have no intention of being like going all the way you know yeah so his don't get me like, started yeah. i had friends that quit and then they would get like a break after they quit and i was like but you quit. <laughs> you should yeah. give that to someone else. But nah, but this dude hooked me up because obviously they the fun, the funnier people, like you know, from his class of people, they were always around. 
And so I got all of that advice from like people that have been doing it. And then I also got all the first dibs that like I was hosting the open mic and yes. hosting the weekends and getting just right away. I was getting, you know, probably like hour and a half stage time every week. Whoa. Just being. Yeah, because and then they started. Well, you, this, have, you could host. That's a huge help. Yeah. Right? And they started this thing where the open mic. By the time I left, they were doing the open mic every night. What? Yeah, just like before the regular show. No, no. So once the last show ended, it was open mic till two a.m. Whoa! Every night, seven nights a week. You know when when they could do that. Okay, so this is where it seems like it's good to have a comedian own the club because he gets it and he knows how hungry comics are. He's like, yeah. I think we can keep this going because I think it's the reason you own a club. Because I th- like if you own a club because you love comedy and you want it and you want to control because this is this is my whole philosophy behind just all of this whole shit is there's two tribes Hit it. in the in the very in excited. the art thing right very excited and, and it's, it's the people that are mainly because con- they can mix but it's people that are mainly concerned with what they can extract. Mm from the wherever their art is and then people that are mainly concerned with what they can contribute. Wow. And so that what type of person what type of person you are which which tribe you're in determines what kind of club you would open if you were opening a comedy club, right? right. It's like if you if you open a comedy club because you want to make money and you want to give yourself stage time and you want to be a big shot in the comedy, then your club's going to be it's going to be obvious, right? But if you really give a fuck about comedy like cuz I know there were times where he was losing money just to open the mic, just to have the mic. Wow. He wasn't making money off those open mics. It's like, it reminds me of Ryan Gosling in, in La La Land. I know that's a stretch, but like they always have that cliche of the guy who just loves jazz. <laughs> I just have to open a jazz club because it's in my bones, you know? Right. And that's kind of, even though that's a cliche in a movie, that's what you want. You want someone that's like, I love comedy. I want to put more comedy into the world. Right. And I want the comedian, did you think he had a awareness of he wanted the comedians to like, be in his like field team. What what does that mean? Uh, farm league is that a baseball thing? Farm league. Um, you know, I, like get better under his watch, like kind of mentor. No, him. no, because he was he was kind of hands off with it. Really, this is the best. No, no, it was just he was like, yeah, run the mic however you want. You know, just don't do this and don't do that. And it was like he he never came in and was like, you know, I mean, he would watch every now and then and stuff like that, but he never took any sort of control over the That's comedy great, that was because that can happen too yeah you yeah no that. it was it was nothing like that man it was just like what's this guy's name again give him another shout his out his name's robert larivere edit that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what a good guy i'm glad yeah 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 and um so that is your path you worked the door how long did you work the door before you started getting stage time actually even go back further where were you going up before this almost Malcolm Malcolm Gladwelly kind of tipping point where you got this break of this new club that really kind of accelerated you right. to an hour and a half a week. What was going on if before that? I was going well. I was I was I was in college and I'd always wanted to do it, and I was like going to community college. And then I in San Diego, in San Diego, and two things happened that kind of influenced it all. Was I I. I was taking a philosophy class, like a philosophies of religion class, mm. and that shit broke broke up the whole way I thought about everything. Really? Yeah. And then, oh, I love that. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. And then I was, and then I was, I walked into this bar one day that I'd never gone into. I walked past it all the time, and never went in. I walked in, and I had a couple of drinks, and I was laughing and joking and flirting with this girl. And it, what I didn't know was that her her boyfriend 
ran some uh, an arts organization like a nonprofit that does a storytelling night in this bar that just ended before I walked in. <laughs> yeah, it was called So Say We All. It was like a, and they still do it. It sells out every fucking week too. But the 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 it's so fortuitous that you just happen to pick that bar. You walk yeah. by it all the time. All the time. Yeah. That, that's and, yes, keep going, please. And then that dude like um they they went they invited me to like the little after party. And he was Did like, the flirting have a repercussion? No, he thought it was funny. Okay, because I was because I was making everyone laugh. I wasn't really. You like, were being charming. You weren't. Being right, I was being charming. Right, yes. I wasn't and being funny. Scuzzy. Yeah, and, and they were all primed from the show too. They're probably feeling good. Their show. Just yeah, wrapped. and I would love to know what story they just heard, but I but because yeah. and I and I ended up, um, uh, me and that dude were really good friends for a while, and and I ended up doing the storytelling thing, and at the same time he was like, dude, I, I'm thinking about doing a comedy show. Whoa. Um, we think about trying comedy like well you want to be on the show and I was like yeah and the, and the show was like two months out so I started going to open mics I was just gonna say that story freaks me out yeah because being charming being funny I know you already know this and then someone's like can you be charming and funny at eight o'clock on Thursday it's like a real it oh, still makes me nervous no but the thing <laughs> is I had I'd had people when I was in the military people were pushing me to do comedy and when I came home my brothers and everybody was saying the same thing. Dude, you funny as hell. Everybody that was, people would say I was never funny before the military. Like no one, no one would have des- described me as funny. You like found your personality. I just that's when I like not started not giving a fuck. Like when I learned that if you say if you just say the truth that everybody's thinking it'll get a laugh. Like that's where I learned that. No, because there is it because there's such tight. Uh, guidelines on how to behave, what to do. It seems like a yeah. good place to be funny, right? There's it's a, a good lot place of... to be funny, but it's also more importantly, it's a good place to be irreverent. Uh huh. Because you need that. There's so much yeah. reverence, right? Because you really bust down a lot of barriers in those situations. Because you, it, it was two things. One, I think people that are people that are the closest to death mm. have the big best sense of humor. Right? Forget it. Yes. So it's like people that like I've met people where it's like they like a unique motherfucker you need to find one that goes around the city and has to uh, collect dead bodies from everywhere or clean up crime scenes and yes, shit yes yes those people have you know great sensitive yeah humor. cops because they see well, that cops amongst themselves I understand um, military military people because you know yeah, coroners not to be dark but like it could end so why are you taking it so seriously yeah, why are you so yeah. uptight like that's why the best crowds are like AA and NA yes, and yes prisoners and like yes. whenever you have a crowd like that you're like that was the fucking best I've right? never done a USO show but now you're making me consider that like oh yeah they must be not just need a laugh everybody needs a laugh and I understand they're under a lot of stress but also aware of a side of uh, the fragility of life. Yeah. And then it's just like, that is a good crowd. And, and it's a coping mechanism, too. It's like, if I don't laugh, I'm going to lose my mind. That's right. That's right. You know? And it's all that, that sort of thing. And that's so, like AA, too. It's like, you're just like, something's got to yeah. give. They've seen so much. Yes. yes. You know, they don't get, their feelings don't get hurt easily. And, and I just yeah. want to take a second because that is beautiful i forget that all the time like sometimes we think what we do is all sometimes i go like oh man it's just like an ego trip i'm just going around trying to be funny and and then it's like fuck you know when you need a laugh and someone else makes you laugh and you're like shit that i needed that so bad keep a list i keep a list of the things i'm lucky about being a comic tell me it's so easy to be down well well one the thing that the thing that happens over and over again like other than the obvious of like when you have a good set and you get off stage you're like man i'm fucking lucky as hell i get to do this right yeah but but something i think we overlook and the the reason why a lot of comics 
have lost their minds during the pandemic, like the lockdown, is <clears throat> we we are spoiled with the highest, with one of the highest levels of interesting conversation in the world mm-hmm. on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you're at a comedy club or in a green room, you're the, the this is some of the most like out of box thinkers mm-hmm. with all these unique perspectives and and we're discussing all manner of shit. That's right. And it's cuz it's to the point where it spoils you so bad that sometimes like people that you love are boring to you. Dude, that first right? time you come home, when I went to New York, and all of my friends were comedians for the first time. Well, in Chicago, a little bit. But then when I went to New York, it was all comedians because right. I was starting over. And then I went home that one Thanksgiving and I'm hanging out with the kids that were funny in high school. And you're just like, it's like getting off the highway and now you're on surface street. Just like, <laughs> exactly. Why do I feel like I'm going five miles an hour right now? Exactly. It's not that they're not funny. It's just like you were just hanging out with Dave Attell. Like, right. what are you gonna do? It's like it's like it's like the person that like tries to dribble around NBA players. Yes, yes. You know, it's yes. like I, I, you don't have to do that. And that is the mo- the thing to be most grateful for. And the thing that I missed during the quarantine was that what you were about to say is like, even though I don't hang out for hours and hours, but I'll be at the club for like an hour if I'm doing my spot, hanging out backstage, getting the talks, and and it's exactly what you're saying. I think yeah. the cliche of like. I wish I could have been in like ancient Greece. I doubt Plato was a good hang. <laughs> no, you know no, what I mean. Like no, Aristotle no, no. was not like a fun time. Like he turned it on when he was in the Parthenon or whatever. Well, they were just figuring <laughs> out how to think. That's right. Oh, like oh, there can be an organized way to do this. That's right. So uh, you know they're probably indirectly responsible for comedy. Yes, but but I'd rather hang out with the comedians. Yeah, today. I'd rather be with the comedians in any situation. But you have that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say every situation. Every in every situation, <laughs> um, unless it's like unless it's like my life is on the line. Yes, uh, then I want to be around surgeons. That's doctors. right. But, that's right. Uh, but in every situation that's not life or death. Yes, I'd rather be around comedians. That's really really funny. Yeah, and and your comedy, I, I started to compliment it. Has that where you're saying things that like once you see a comedian that's like telling truth speaking the truth, and also, like, put the work into, like, not just say something boring. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, all your jokes, you start the premise, and I'm like, yeah, that's this pretty good. Like, like uh, the, I, I mean, the one line. You say one line. I go, okay, this is good. This is a, the set you did on David Spade. You go, like, oh. I don't help people look for their lost pets. Oh, I'm right. like, this is pretty good. This is, this is stand-up. You, every single time without fail, take it somewhere I wasn't expecting, didn't see coming, is super smart and would like click in this way that you go like, wait, he just took a fact and a point and married them and the whole audience like completely agrees with you on something, <laughs> even if it's fucked yeah. up, like maybe your dog doesn't love you sort of thing and you make them agree. And it's, it's just like, it's like a conversion. It's like, it's like chemistry. You make yeah. one compound into another compound. It's like magic. It's alchemy. Yeah. And well, it's that, really, really strong. That's the kind of comedy that I enjoy. Yes. And so... I can see you like going in at a deficit and then seeing if you can get them to come with you. Well, yeah, but also because I don't believe that comics can't talk about what they want. I, I don't think it's impossible. I, yeah. I think that it's always been the case that people... Regardless of what they say, like none of you ask people because people can, people can lie, but I'm talking about the involuntary response of laughter. Yeah, like whether someone will laugh at something. Yes, that they find controversial. Yes, 
is mostly dependent on whether they respect the amount of thought that you've put into it. That's right. Right? So people might, you might say, can I say this? And they'll go, no, 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 no. But if you say the thing and they're like, because what I try to do is like, like meet you at your objections. So you, but right when you're thinking the thing that's like, that's well, not okay. Well, you do that joke where you say the R word. We'll say the R word because right. it's a podcast. I don't want anybody to get in trouble. But we all know that word. I'm from Boston. Everybody uses that word. Right. And I'm all for not using that word in the in the wrong yeah, uh, too, yeah. way. For sure. Of course. Including this conversation. <laughs> but I saw you doing it on stage. And as soon as you did it, I saw that you were setting the trap. It was part of what was to pull the audience in going, right. I know you don't like that. I just said that word. And then you have this other joke about <laughs> that. And I'm like, that's what you're saying. It's not just like, it's the effort and the effort I- informs the intention. Like meaning your intention is to delight and entertain and surprise and maybe shock or maybe this or that, but it's all thoughtful. It's not just some drunk guy at the end of a bar being using the R word right. and you're like, yikes, it's Thanksgiving all over again. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because I forget, I forget who said it. I, th- I think it was a, I forget who fucking said it, but I heard someone say that people are people are willing to be I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to like butchering this I'm just putting it in my own words it's all good but it's basically like people are willing to be in a room with a man with a gun if they know that he knows what he's doing you know it's, yeah. it's, it's like but if you if you like this people are like oh 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 but if you shoot an wow. apple off off somebody's head then people are like oh okay this is safe yeah right yeah, yeah yeah also if you got in an elevator and there's four dudes in you know, it's hard to think of a situation where you're totally comfortable. But if it's four hunters and they have rifles and there's a dead deer and, and they all look like they know. Or here's a good example. You're in the armed forces. There's four soldiers. When I was in Israel, there were armed 18-year-olds everywhere. Right. And I never was like, yikes. Even though, I mean, how much training could they have? But still, I didn't feel that work. But if there's one crazy person with a gun, it's a good point. It's a valid point. Right. That, it's interesting. It makes, everyone, you know, it makes people uncomfortable when they, when they don't trust you. And isn't that kind of what the circus is? Look, here's a lion. Look, here's a whip. Look, here's someone walking across a wire. It's all shit that if they weren't, thoughtful it would be fucked up yeah like i don't want to see an amateur walk across a tightrope because in a very weird minor way comedy is like leadership right like i mean while you're performing yeah the the audience is giving you some sort of control that's right right? and so it's like the analogy i like to use is like um it would be like if you got if you want an airline and and you feel some like particularly rough turbulence on on the on a plane Mm mm-hmm and you know, but if, if the pilot comes on the loudspeaker and goes, um, "It's all right, everyone. We got a little turbulence there, and uh, uh, we dropped down about ten feet, but everything is going to be okay." You'd be like, oh, "Okay, okay." You, you go back to watching what you were watching, or whatever. Yeah. But all it would take is for the pilot to go right after the rumble for the pilot to go, um, like if he just sounds unsure for one second. You're like I'm. 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 No. He he bothered to get on the PA too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like why did right. why did he pick up the mic? Yeah, that see that would that scare that would that scare would the, be extra you, scary. You wouldn't be comfortable till the plane landed. He wanted us to know he's uncertain. <laughs> yeah, right. I hate to. I say it all the time. It's a Bill Cosby quote. Uh, scandal noted. 
is that he said the pilot can't come on and say I'm going to try to land the plane. That's a Cosby. Yeah, plane. and that's exactly what you're talking about. So when a comedian is is thoughtful, not malicious, I always say like it's a, it's like you don't want to be ugly. It's possible to be clean and be and have your comedy be ugly. Meaning it's just it's not even funny. I don't mean not shocking. I mean it's just like what the fuck is this? Like it's it's yeah. using your power for evil sort of yeah. stuff. Unless because here's the other thing, like unless that. Unless that's really who you are, <laughs> you know what I mean. And you're so, and you somehow manage to be funny too. Like if yeah. you're a villain, well, if, yeah, yeah. I hear some that. comics that's their shtick is that they're a villain. You know. Well, I hear you. I think a lot of it. You talked about the involuntary response of laughter, and I think what started to happen. And I'm putting this theory I've said a million times to you because I want to hear what you say. Is everybody's on the record now? If you post that you like this person. Like you like think about somebody like Patrice O'Neill or somebody like there's a million examples, but like somebody that would say some pretty dark stuff, and then if that's fine at 10 p.m. at the Comedy Cellar, if you're posting at 9 a.m. at Microsoft that you saw this guy and you post a clip of what you watched the night before, it's a, it's a it's a HR issue. It's yeah. like you shouldn't have posted that. And now everybody's sort of on the record. What what is you know what I'm saying? Like what you're saying is. I can make you laugh at something that I know you think is wrong. And I actually kind of understand and agree why you think it's wrong. But I'm going to like use that feeling to manipulate you into a huge laugh. Right. And that's great. That's art. That's, that's a big thing of art. That's like horror movies. Murder is fucked up. <laughs> but I'm going to like show you right. 75 murders and you're going to feel this like catharsis. You're going to kind of work through some stuff by laughing at your fears, laughing at your fears, including your fear of being inappropriate, being filled with hate, being filled with ugliness. I'm going to guide you leadership through that experience in a safe way. That's all good. But as soon as it's 8am on Monday and you're posting that you loved it or that you love it or that you support it, it's like quoting a Eminem lyric at a a kid's party. Like it's not appropriate. It's not, it's it's not the context. That's why you always have, you ever, you ever noticed because it took me a few years to figure this out. But whenever there's a large group in the crowd, like a, a, forget it, a bachelorette party or like a corporate group, corporate, you, you have to find the leader and shit on them first. That's because, right. It's like prison. Yeah, because if you don't, everyone's <laughs> going to be because no one wants the HR person to see them laughing at the. That's right. Uh, right, and it's that thing. It's it's that feeling that like, okay, no one can see me. That's why we're like comedy rooms being dark. That's right. right? Dark like, underground. Yeah, it's like no one can see crowded. me. Crowded. It's just me laughing. Right. Become the, the audience. Like become one beast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You don't want to be one beast and six girls celebrating Britney's engagement. Like you don't want that. You want Bro, one thing. That was another thing about um, about the, at the madhouse. I, they, uh, I think they bought the wrong lamps, the wrong like lights at first. <laughs> they were like grow lamps. They were like these like they were like thousand watt. <laughs> Heat, get like, off stage and your hair is longer. Like it was just—I mean, it was hot on stage. Like if you went up t- towards the end, it was like blazing hot. And I used, to, I used to call, so you could barely see the audience. It was like, and I used—I started calling it st- like staring into the mouth of the dragon. You know? Yeah, it never caught on. I yeah. thought it was co- a cool thing to call it. Yeah, no, it, it didn't get. I would. Have, I would have been like. there with you, going like, "It's the dragon. It's the dragon's mouth." But but it was that. That made it so much more anonymous. Yeah, for everybody. Yeah, it was. Is, just that what like, you, is that what you meant? I'm sorry. I didn't yeah, it was that dark. Like I, I, I never saw the crowd for the first like 
only the front row. Yeah. Yeah, for like the first maybe two years, two and a half years. I was and you, you know, you just made me consider for the first time, it does go both ways. When the lights are too hot and you can see everybody, it's hard for the performer to turn the audience into an audience. It's just a room full of individuals. Yeah. So you want it like sort of dark and mergy. And then when it becomes just a mass of people, you can do and perform in a different way than you could Certainly than if it was like 12 people who all know each other. Yeah, and I've seen it. Just over the, over all those years of seating shows and, you know, some well-attended, some not, and just, just doing, just for my own, I wish I had kept actual statistics above mm. it. But it's it shows, it's like, if you, if a room holds 50 people and say there's only 20 people that show up and you put five people, you put five people in each corner, mm. that's not going to be as good of a show as if you put all those people up front. Yeah. Right? And, the, and if there's something about them feeling separate. Tension. Yes. Yeah. You want it to be tense, too. It's like the comedian's right there, and if you don't laugh, it's awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you live on that tension. But, but I also feel like sometimes when you hit a punchline, like how much somebody relates to the thing can can affect how quick they will laugh at a thing right oh sure and if they're in a group and somebody in the group laughs and it's something that they didn't immediately relate to they'll think because they don't want to be left out so they'll think about it and maybe laugh too yeah but if but if you know if it's four people over here and one person sitting over here by himself and he doesn't get it yeah and they're laughing he doesn't give a fuck yeah Right, right. So it's, you want them to like get pulled into one yeah, another. Yeah, they they have to like become. They have to be close enough where they feel where people feel left out if they don't participate. Yeah, you know? I hear that. And when you did David Spade, I was watching, and you were really slow, and I really liked it. Like you, you took you put. So first of all, doing stand up on Spade is weird because it's not a stand up show. It's right. like a talk show, and it's not like a David Letterman talk show where they have musicians sometimes and comedians sometimes. It's like really inaudible if they're going to have a comedian come out. And you did great. And you're coming out and you're, you put the mic in front of you and you took it out of the stand so slowly. And I was like, this is pulling the bow, the string on the bow back. Like, it's like letting it be tense. If you came out and you were like, thank you, David. Oh, thanks so much. Lights out. I'm a big fan of the show. Like, that's a completely different kind of tension. Now you're creating a tension oh. because you're tense. You're like, I'm not going to be nervous for you. And I'm, in fact, fuck you, you be nervous is one of my favorite types of energy. You yeah. know, does that resonate? Not that you were doing it deliberately. Well, I was, I was relieved. I mean, it's just a habit that I have. I'd say, so, okay, going back to the storytelling thing, right? Yes. Yeah. This, this relates. Hit it. So these people were doing, these people had been doing storytelling thing for years. They, we're trying to do stand-up, but they applied some of the storytelling shit to the stand-up. So what they would do is they would have a theme every month and people would submit blindly a story related to that theme. And you could interpret the words any way you wanted. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So if the if the theme was like a penny for your thoughts, it could be something to do with penny, something to do with thinking, something to do your with some pennies bit right. is one of the best oh. bits I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's also you. one of the most conflicted applause breaks I've ever heard a crowd give. Will you oh, say? Yeah. Will you just say it so people know what I'm talking about? Uh, Not, you don't have to perform it. Just what the words are, because we need to talk about that applause break. You that, say that I say that America treats black people um, the way cashiers treat pennies. Yes, because legally they have to accept us everywhere. But uh, if there's more than five, if there's more than four or five of us. <laughs> 
everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? Yes. And the crowd, first of all, so you're saying this like truth. That that image takes me back to like weird convenience stores that I'd be in where like a group of black kids would come in and there was just like this like mobilization of the staff. Like they like racist oh, shit. Right, right. I'm not saying good. I'm saying, but it took me back. I was like, shit, that's real. So it's like a really fucked up thing you're saying, but it's so smart and you're saying it. In this really, really, I'm not telling you what you did. You know what you did. But so everyone's clapping, but they're also clapping for something that's no, fucked up. No, but honestly, man, I love to hear, maybe this is me, my ego, but I love to hear my comedy be analyzed yeah. that way. Because I, I like analyzing. I, because like you said, when you're writing jokes, you don't think of it that way. You don't go, yeah. I'm I'm setting the trap here. and I'm, like You don't think about your comedy that way, but yeah. it's, I love to hear it. Because we talk, I talk, we talk about other comics that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. never talk about your own comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, it, it's a real salty, sweet thing. It's, it's if you take something, but I. Well, we're going to talk about your comedy right now because your bit, we have to. This isn't morning radio. I'm not asking you to perform it at all. But when you did New Faces, I came home, and tried to do your firefighter bit for Val, <laughs> verbatim. I tried as hard as I could. To just, I didn't perform it, but just tell her what the joke was. And I can't stop thinking about that joke. And again, it's the darkest thing. I'm, I'm not saying you're setting the trap, but it's almost like you were accepting the challenge. Like, here's this incredibly heartbreaking, disturbing reality of, of police violence, racial police violence. Right. And then you were like, I think I could write a joke that everyone will understand it will remind us of a reality that shouldn't be ignored. You know what I mean? Right. That's not really, I don't think that's your point. I think your point is just that it's really fucking funny, but it's also like, you know, we should be talking about this. And at the end, everyone's applauding and they're applauding darkness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's a weird thing. And a lot of white people in the crowd and they're clapping in this way, it's like Thai food. You know how to have sugar <laughs> and really spicy chilies in it, and you're just like, I know. I, I think I, I think I like this. That's what your comedy yeah. is. It's salty and it's spicy and sweet at the same time, and and it's really a trip to watch, to be able to watch it and to watch people watch it. Yeah, man. It was it was it was, it was a long um, thing. Yeah, it was a, it coming was, up with that bit. Actually, no, no, that bit actually. You got to tell people some of the bit. I well, <laughs> well, it's in it's in the oh it is yeah yeah okay so they'll watch it there yeah um but they but I wrote that bit arguing with a white person really and the pennies bit too see yeah I was arguing with someone and it's like when I get really like emotionally heightened is that's when, I, when you know it's a bit when I'm re- when something really bothers me it, that's when I'm at my funniest yes, about, yes. right so it's like. I'm arguing with him about, and, and, I, and I said that thing, and everyone laughed. That is good. And I was like, "Ah, fuck you!" And I'm, you know, I'm going to write this down. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but so back to the moving yes. the mic stand thing. Yes. So they would they would pair they would pair you with a seasoned writer. Like you, you submit your story, your story gets picked. They they bring you around all these writers. And everyone critiques your story and tells you what to like, how to expand on things and what to take out and pacing and all that. And you're going to perform it, mm-hmm. right? So then they put you with a performance coach if you're not used to performing. So that my first performance coach lady, she was f- with me for the uh, for the comedy show that was in a couple of months. And her name was Stacy Dyson. She's like a poet, mm-hmm. a, like a performing poet. 
And she told me two things. Don't ever think about your body. Just let it move however it's moving. Oh, interesting. And she was and she said, set set the stage when you go up there. You it it, it it's it, your space. Right. So she was like, space. move something. Don't just go up there and start talking. Move something. Yeah, that's right. Adjust things. You're a professional about to do your work, so make things exact. I even do that sitting down to write. I'll move something that didn't need to be moved. It's right. just to say it's to have agency. It's to have some effect on physical reality. Right. I love both of those pieces of advice. Yeah, they, it, and it's it's and now I don't think about it, but I used to always be like, think, remember to move something and don't think about your hands. Yeah, 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 a, yeah. Well, you can see you doing that at the top of that set, and I just know how. Again, I'm I'm just saying this as your peer. If I was doing stand up on Lights Out, I wouldn't be comfortable. I'd, I've I've done that show many times. I know what that audience is like. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying it's not exactly 8 p.m. at the comedy store. Right. <laughs> and you, I've told this story before, but I think you'll like it. I was I was doing a set at Dynasty Typewriter, and it it just wasn't going well for some reason. I was doing this bit that I really believe in, and it just wasn't working. And I was like, I just stopped. I was like, where are you guys? There's no way that's not funny. And I just sort of like repeated the line. And I was like, you guys are just going to sit that one out. And, and, and this is the line that as a comedian, I think you'll appreciate. I went, I'm not having a bad set. You're having a bad <laughs> set. And they, Brian, they applauded. It made me love them so much. Oh, was this, was this at the, just for last thing? It wasn't just for last. Oh, it was just another set at the time. It was another, same okay. venue. And I've told that story before. And I'll tell it again on this podcast, I'm sure, because it was one of the highlights of my stand-up career <laughs> was to not just, it's kind of like what you're doing. It's not just get them to enjoy something. It's get them to enjoy something they shouldn't enjoy, <laughs> which right. is like, I'm telling you, you suck. And you're saying, thank you. We do suck. Yeah. Like, at least you see us, you know. Or, it or, was some, or sometimes it's like, it's like you're giving them permission to like enjoy it like loosen up that's right that's it was leadership again i was going i know you guys are tense (laughs) uh but you guys are really and and then you're rough with them to delight them it's again it's intention i took the gun out and shot you know a petal off a flower not really to yell at them but to show them that they were in safe hands i'm gonna land the plane now right and if to land the plane i have to tell you that you guys are having a bad set that's what we'll do we'll do anything we need yeah those are beautiful moments right Tell me, uh, keep keep going with your story. You're with your performance coach, and she and she told you that. Well, that was a story. I mean, she and she. No, that's not a good story. I'm just kidding. That no, was a great story. No, I mean, she, I didn't the, want you to not finish the, the if there third, was more. The third thing she told me that actually was had a, such a huge effect on me. Yeah, was because I, I met her in a coffee shop with my jokes that I'd written ten years ago. Well, well, maybe it wasn't ten. It was more like like six years prior, and I just worked up the nerve to tell in front of people wow. and she was like okay so okay to t- say your jokes and i was like well the first i so i tried i started explaining the joke she was like no no no, no. say it exactly like you would this say it on stage yeah. and i did it and she was like you're a natural <sighs> you're a natural i am so relieved yeah i'm and so I, and, relieved and, listen, for and, I don't, you. and i don't know still to this day i don't know if she really believed that or she thought that was what i needed to hear yeah. so i started i nicknamed her the oracle because remember that she did that to Neo. She was like... I'm picturing the woman who played the Oracle. Yeah, and she would remind you of her. You really? Know? Yeah. Which and, one? Oracle 1 or 2? There are two Oracles. The first Oracle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's she, your main Oracle. Yeah, they switched her out on us. They on Viv does. She died. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's not really on Viv. It's not a full-on Viv. No, no, not a full-on Viv. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to hear shit about that. <laughs> oh, no. No, you didn't know. You the, didn't know. I mean, I think I did know that somewhere in the back of my mind. It's too many. There's yeah. too many things happening to keep yeah. it all straight. But, um, but yeah, she. I think she, she oracled I don't, you. I don't, yeah, I don't know. If she, I don't know if she really thought I was a natural or she thought that's what I needed to hear. But I believed it. That's yeah. what mattered. Yeah. And so it made me completely not afraid. She sort of, I mean, that's the gift that now you can give other young comics. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. That's one of the best things about it is you're like, man, I wish someone had told me yeah. you're a natural. And then you go like, well, the next best thing is I can tell these guys starting out that they're natural. Oh, yeah. If you see, she had to see a lot it, of potential. This, this, this lifestyle is so, especially in the beginning, so consistently unrewarding <laughs> and, 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 and uncertain. <laughs> And consistently unrewarding is a great name for your next record. Or something. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so, it disappoints so often. And it's so, it's so, it's like the drug, you're just drudging along. Yep. And every now and then you get that ambrosia from the up above, you yes. know, where it's like you, that's why I'm very careful. I try to be very careful about what I say to new comics because yeah. you never know. It's just like when you're talking to children, it's like, that's so con. I don't mean it that way. I don't think that's but, condescending. But, but I, I just mean children are beautiful. They're just new here, right? I mean, yeah. the, but the caution I mean is the same in, in that you never know so, something you would you, some offhand comments you make that you won't even remember in in a week or two it will stick with them. That's why it's a hundred percent the perfect thing to say. Yeah, my daughter will say, you know, something I I had no idea she was listening to. It's a it's a parenting cliche, and when I see Jim Gaffigan, I freak him out by quoting something he said to me 20 years ago, yeah. and it's verbatim, and I could tell him where he was standing when he said it. Like, so these people, and Jim Gaffigan wasn't, you know, arena Jim Gaffigan. He was just a great comedian right. who I respected. So yeah, you should watch your, you should watch what you say around young comedians, because right. first of all, to your point, They've been slogging through the cranberry bog, but it's not cranberry, it's it's horse shit. Right. And and that's what I think makes us all like I don't know you, but immediately I feel like we can get along because I'm like we've been yeah. through the same battle. Well, yeah, because when you meet someone cuz th- this is one thing I love about stand up. You can't bullshit. You can't you can't buy your way into it. That's right. You can't be it's nepotism. Like you can get you'll get spots yeah. and opportunities off of all of the bullshit. But the respect of other comics, right. that ain't free. That's you right. have to earn that. So and when you meet another comic that's a certain level of funny, you unquestionably know that they the work that it took. That's right. And you know? that's why I okay, so I wanted to talk about your new faces because I did both nights. The second night, you were on the first night, and the second night, am I remembering this correctly? Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Um, the crowd was just a hundred times better. I don't know why. <laughs> from the from the moment I took the stage, you know, you throw out those little testers when you're an MC, yeah, and a, you're hosting, and you just say something stupid because you don't want to do your good joke right off the bat. So you're just sort of fucking around, making fun of the stage, talking about the people, whatever it is, and they were laughing at that. You know what I mean? Like they laughed at like, "Hey, what's going on?" And they laughed at that, and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know what I think it was? What's that? I think it was that. I think the first night was mostly industry people. Okay, then there it is. And the second night was was more fans and more maybe more comics. Then that's what happened because yeah. from word one, I was like, 
holy fuck. And then everyone crushed. Everyone on your show had a good set. Oh, yeah, yeah. But everyone crushed yeah. on the second night. And you crushed on the first night. And this is why you want to talk about respect. I was like, not to make it about me, I'm just saying if I was going out, like if they were like, Pete, just go out and, and close. I don't know. I couldn't, I certain. I know I couldn't have done better than you. You did so good. And it wasn't an easy crowd. And that's the best compliment. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, if, yeah. if you're killing, everybody's killing. It's like kind of like, who cares? But if it's the end of a long night, they've just watched 10 other comedians and they were never that good. And you went out, again, fearless, like David Spade style, like you weren't in a rush. You didn't, <laughs> I don't mean to butter your bread this hard, but you didn't seem nervous or you also didn't appear to be preparing like backstage. <laughs> no. Nobody else did, but you know, sometimes they got that look on their face that's like, you're running your set, aren't you? You were just hanging out, having fun. Yeah. And then you walked out. I was almost nervous for you. I was like, is this guy, this is this big show. <laughs> <laughs> and then you walked out. It was like a Vegas singer. Like you took the mic I get no kick from champagne. And like the orchestra kicked in, but the orchestra was the laughs. And then you proceeded to crush. And that is what you're talking about. That was a nice thing to say to you for sure. But like, my point is who cares if you're on TV, who your dad is, what your credits are. That's what you're saying. Can't be faked. You just go like, right. it just happened. Right. That's the real, that's the real goal. That's right. right. Is is to obviously you we want to make a living from this, but it's like if I just had a nice house and a and a decent car and the and I could afford the a, a decent living and the respect of all my other comedians, I will take that over, you know, twenty million dollars yeah. and the most famous comic in the world and no comedians love like what like me. And or, I can like, unfortunately that conjures up a few names. I'm just like, it, you can have Yeah, we are I'm glad I ran into the like some of those people you run into them. Yeah, and it, and it's like it's like a ghost, and he's like, I don't want that. Oh no, I don't want that. That is so. First of all, ghost is something you call a kid a ghost. Like ghost is like a, a Casper the Friendly ghost. Like it's not a dirty word, but it just felt like a dirty word because it's so right when you talk to somebody that just feels like a shell of a person, and they played the game sort of wrong. To put it another way, I think human beings. This is not my point. Need meaning to live. Right. right. And it's not twenty million dollars to live. A lot of most people don't have twenty million dollars and are living. But like meaning that thing that gives you a sense of community. So that's what the respect is when right. a group of mutually agreed on. We think being able to do stand up comedy is important. So that group then accepts you and respects you and that respect means something. And then like you have a craft. Now you don't just have something you do, you have like a craft. That's meaning. So I'm just 100% with you. I'd take the the meaning and the craft and the respect over the 20 million any day for sure. Yeah, yeah, but, because God, it's, because I, I have days where I'm in a deep, you know, depression and, and I know, like there, oh, I'll say this, there's times where the only thing that makes me feel better is that I wrote a new joke. That like funny. there's new is a new one, a new bit that has legs mm -hmm. that can keep me going for like two three weeks of mm -hmm. just happy mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like, oh, I got something to work on this. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not because this is I, this is a stupid fear but I fear running out of of, of, of material like I'm like I, I think that was the last one like I'm pretty sure 
because the pennies bit is everyone's favorite bit. Is it? And I'm and and I'm and I'm like I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna ever write a bit of, of a better firefighter bit is a better bit than that. Really? Oh yeah. Thank you. Like without a doubt. Yeah. It's not even close. Well, they're both they're both on the special. Well, I'm glad they're both on the special. Yeah. I don't mean to say they're not even close. I'm just saying that firefighter bit is is drive home and tell your wife the bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, Thank you. And I, I'm like, I'm only saying this to continue complimenting the firefighter bit. I might tell Val the pennies bit, but I had to tell somebody that bit. Also, like, there's, there's like, when there's pain, it needs art. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it needs art. And I felt something going on when you were doing that bit. I don't know if it's my place to comment on this, but I'm saying for me, my heart, I was like. Thank you. Like, let's not just act like these things aren't happening, and let's not just let's 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 find a a way to. I don't know how to put it. It's like shit's happening. Shit's fucked up, but talking about it feels appropriate, as opposed to going home for Thanksgiving and acting like you weren't abused by this person. You know <laughs> right, what I'm saying? Right, that's right. a dark thing too. I'm just saying that's the fucked up place so many of us live in, and that's what comedy can sort of do better than anything. Like, the type of uh, trauma I had when I was a kid, it wasn't anything horrible. But if I can make fun of my dad for, for uh, you know, he, I, he said once, he was like, I didn't have that much to drink. I was like, oh, no, dad. You not, not oh, one or two. And he started laughing. That's what it reminded me when you did that bit about police violence. So we're talking about it. I know we're laughing about it. So you could be like, yeah, we're just laughing about it. But I'm like, there's something about keeping it going, keeping the conversation going, keeping it in our awareness, keeping it in our consciousness. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost like this. It's like this. Let's stop bullshit. That's it. Right? Where it's like, let's just. We all know. What Why the- are you talking about big red bubblegum? You know, like <laughs> right. like shit's going on. But like you, yes, keep going. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be honest with you, I don't set out to like. I don't. I'm. I don't write to be like. I'm going to write jokes about things that matter. Right. You know. What you I mean? just got in another just, fight. Right. I just <laughs> when something like 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 if, if, the more I'm bothered by something, the more I get into the mind state that makes me write jokes. You know, where I'm just like, this is this does not make any sense. Yes. And that and things not making things not adding up. It is my one button. It's yeah. like I just can't. Things that the the less something makes sense, the the harder it is for me to let it go. I totally understand. You know, even more than more than how horrible it was, it's like it just not making sense. Wow, it I just can't. <laughs> you know, I I will I'll think about it for weeks. Yes, weeks, and then a year or two will go by, and I'll think about it again. It'll just come back to me. Right. What was it in that with that? What didn't make sense? Um, just the fundamental principle that you call people to protect you and they don't protect you was that it um i don't i don't know exactly what we were arguing about but i think i think i wrote i think i wrote that bit at the, around the time that um um tamir rice got killed hmm. you know there's was, was a little kid and i think he was in ohio and he was a little kid with like the the toy gun in the park and the mm-hmm. cops just showed up and like within like five seconds bah, 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 they killed mm-hmm. him he's 13 mm-hmm. You know, like, I think we were arguing about that. I was arguing with somebody about that. And what was their position? <laughs> they were just, you know. Actually, you don't even have yeah, to say. I, yeah. I can't believe someone would you argue about that. Yeah, because I've been in plenty of situations where I'm the only person in the room 
that's holding a certain opinion and I know I'm right and I won't mm. I will not conform to the group we'll just sit in here if I got the energy <laughs> I'll sit here all day and just throw logic back in your stupid face <laughs> You know that reminds me of your flat earther bet. Yeah, sometimes I don't have yeah. the energy. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I got the energy, it's like, yeah, we we gonna. I got time today. We are gonna do this today. So take me to, uh, you what, what branch you were in the Marines? Yeah, yeah. So how did that happen? Why did you join the Marines? That's always an interesting. I mean, you know, obviously the the reason is like multifaceted, but but if, but the main reason was just that I wanted to get away from home i want i was i was in foster care like my whole most of my childhood mm. and i was getting i was i was turning 18 and you had the option to like for them to pay your way through school yeah but until you're 21 which is useless. That's three years. It takes longer than that to get a degree. But anyway, they'll take care of you from 18 to 21. And but 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 they still control like where you live, who lives with you. Mm. You know, there's, there's other like 18 year olds that have that are foster kids that, that you know they they live with you. They pick where you live. They show up. They take you grocery shopping. It's like this. This I just got tired of adults making choices for me so you joined the military <laughs> yeah because it was because I'm it, just kidding because it was the first choice that i got to make no right? i completely and, understand that. and it pissed all of them off of course they were i wouldn't say pissed them off but they were all like no yes yeah. don't do that yeah you have free college yeah i was like well they got free college too right that was also bullshit but but well at the when i signed that they were still on the Montgomery GI Bill, not the post 9-11. Uh-huh. And the Montgomery GI Bill was bullshit. That's the one that claimed to pay for college, but it didn't? Well, that that one gave you... So in my situation, it was like, that one gave you a X amount of money per month. Then that was it. Okay. And so, like, you know, it was like... So you had to find a way to, like, you, you know, pay your tuition and buy your books and all of that shit was like... It was like not enough. It was like twelve hundred dollars a month or something. Mm. And but so you still had to like work and do all the other stuff that all the other college kids. It was just an extra twelve hundred bucks. But the post nine eleven job bill and the one before that, that like the World War Two people got the the post nine eleven job bill pays the tuition and pays for your books and gives you a monthly stipend for rent. Really? Yeah, so you can actually just go to college. Wow, which is what I, mean, I know. It's, I didn't join the military, but that's what I assumed they meant when all the ads oh, are yeah, like, and, we'll pay and, for God. And that's what they knew you assumed they meant. Yeah. But this, they just never said it. Hey, man, you can go to school. We give you money. Because what they would tell you is we give you money for school. But they don't tell you it's not enough money. <laughs> that's why you need to go to school. So you learn, right. don't trust people. Because well, I, I think, and I hate to, I hate to. I think it's this. I think it is this sinister. I think it's that they would want because also when you get when you get out, well, at least back then, they would give you one week of like preparation for the real world. Hmm. You know, you spend thirteen weeks in boot camp, being turned into this, you know, whatever you get turned into, 
and Marine. <laughs> ah! <laughs> he turns into Marine. It's funny that Marine sounds like machine because I felt like you're kind of looking for like a metaphor. Well, a machine. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's correct. I just mean like a highly yeah. efficient. You get conditioned. Yeah, you get conditioned. And they spend about they spend a week trying to uncondition you. They give you very little financial. <laughs> I'm just whatever. picturing the Terminator yeah. robot, and, think, and they're like, "Here's how you go to Trader Joe's." And yeah, it's like and I think the idea is that you're gonna get out, try to go to school, realize, oh shit, this is hard, and go back in. No. I, yeah, that's because I mean, why am I shocked? But yeah. Because for years, I don't know if you remember this, but it, it used to piss me off all the time. But for years, um, Republicans and John McCain would vote against like making the GI Bill better because and their reasoning was that it will it will it will help it will make make retention harder. It's the same reason why they don't want to raise the minimum wage or make things right. better for anybody because it, it's this like fundamental conservative or maybe Republican or maybe just capitalist idea yeah. that if you pay someone too much, they'll leave. Have you ever thought about that? That's, yeah. That seems right I think alley. about this constantly. Constantly. That seems it's like one of those things, world. I don't know if you do this, but I talk to myself all the time. Like if, if something is really on my mind, yes. I have there's – a, <laughs> there's a person – that I hate in my head that I argue with when I don't have anyone to argue with. Because <laughs> uh, I, you know, I need to be in that kind of mind state. So sometimes when, when something really bothers me, I'll just be arguing with no one about it. <laughs> just a little piece of your brain. You yeah, just, just a little piece of my them. brain is like cording off to fo- just to be my enemy for yes, a second. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think about it all the time. Because here, here's, here's something people never talk about when it comes to the minimum wage, right? Is Because there's something very specific to making the least amount of money possible, right? And that is that's very unique to that, right? And it's that it's the it's the tacit understanding between you know from the people that you work for to the customers and everybody that you need this job. That's right. If you're willing to work for this amount of money, then you you we know we have you right you you need this job so bad like you can't afford to lose this job that's why you don't see karen's going off in nordstrom's you don't see what's going on like you don't see karen's as a nickname people gave. So like, i didn't hear what you said i know yeah, what karen is. right so it's like <laughs> you don't see you don't see them going off in like um one of those high like like a like a uh what's a high fashion place you know yeah uh I Saks Fifth Avenue. Right, right. You don't see them you don't see them going off in places where Barney's where people get paid a decent wage. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. yeah, they they're not going down to AT and T and throwing a fit at the headquarters. They they're going into Starbucks. They're going into <laughs> right. Donuts. They're going into McDonald's. You see Karen's yelling at employees. Yeah, or at least it happens way more often in places where people know Can I say Karen's? <laughs> yeah, sure. But 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 I asked Katie. There, there's this there's this understanding that you're desperate. You're more desperate than than anyone else. This is uh, White Lotus. Yeah. Did you watch White no, Lotus? No, I don't know what it, that means. It, it's, when you stay at like a five-star resort, you'll see some some uh, K-words. I don't say it anymore. I'm just kidding. Kids? Karen's. Oh, okay. Ah! Oh. You see uh, people being mean to the staff because of the of the, the, the power dynamic. Right. So what, what you're saying is at a McDonald's, you'll see somebody get yelled at or dressed right. down by it's, it's, it's that very same thing. Like so you're not going to leave. You it's a me, disrespect thing. You made me realize that. So yeah, the the only people that get treated worse are Im, are immigrants, mm. like like or people that are soon to be undocumented workers, because they're the only ones that are less safe. 
mm-hmm. in the workplace, like less safe and, and less secure in their jobs than minimum wage workers, right? Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. have another fear of like getting thrown out of the country. Yeah. So it's that's what I mean. Is like it, there's a there's a there's somebody a, has to have a bit where they go. How about we work on this maximum wage? <laughs> like uh, what's his name? Bezos makes like. Somebody said he makes like three hundred thousand dollars every fifteen minutes. Oh, or I hate. And you're just like. So I'm, is this bit I've been trying? What's the to, maximum wage? This is bit I've been trying to get to work, but I just haven't found the perfect way of putting the analogy. Yeah. But and and it's thrown off by the fact that everyone doesn't feel the same way about Bezos. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's this. The analogy is basically like if like bankers have made have allowed all of this. Like the invention of money, yes, is it, it puts an extra thing you have to think about before you realize the inequality, right? So hmm. people look at Bezos and go, "Oh wow, he's a baller. He has a almost a trillion dollars." And I was like, "But let's just say, like, like a long time ago, there was no money, and people had to, like, if I wanted you to do something with me, I had to bring you a chicken, and you would go, I need two chickens to do that job, <laughs> and you know, and, and I need, I need to be able this to is a two chicken yeah, job. Like, like, yeah, I right. need to be able to make, I need to be able to make twenty chicken sandwiches <laughs> yes. if you want me to fix your door, yes, right? Yes. yes. And it's like, and then somebody came along and was like, "Look, how about this piece of paper represents a chicken sandwich? Let's call it a dollar." You're like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Okay, so now if you were starving, and and there was no money, and Jeff Bezos had a trillion chicken sandwiches, yes, you wouldn't be like, "Wow, that that dude works harder than us all." You'd be like, "You don't even need. You're yes. never going to eat all those. Yes. Why yes. don't you feed somebody?" Yeah. Right, <laughs> it's it's a silo mentality. Right, but see, I haven't the 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 setup is too convoluted, right? Yeah, I, I, I but I'm I'm working it out. I think no, I have full faith that you'll figure it out because I think you and I are similar in that it, it's it is you have that bit about weed where you're like you love you keep thinking long past <laughs> oh. you should have stopped thinking but you keep thinking right, you end right. up in some weird places. Uh, money is definitely one of those things where you're like, I think what you're touching on is like. In a post-apocalyptic situation, or even just a situation where somebody, uh, where there's a fire, you know, <laughs> like, right. who cares if you have a trillion dollars? And we all kind of know that deep down, that everything is just sort of like make-believe. Like, I believe that your money matters. It's almost like enjoy it while you can. Like, if I think that your $50 is worth <laughs> 75 chicken sandwiches, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. enjoy it while you can, because really, it's just a piece of paper. Yeah, it's like how can I do? How can? Because here, here's another thing I hate too is we <laughs> talk about a lot about the uh, like like when people hear you criticize capitalism, they, some people get real defensive about it. Mm. And the argument I hear so much that infuriates me is that like socialism doesn't work because it stifles innovation, which is a halfway fair point. Mm-hmm. That like if the number one motivator of human behavior is incentive. So if, if people don't if, like if this thing doesn't if doesn't doesn't need to be a new model of this treadmill, yeah. there probably won't be yeah. in a socialist society, right? right? Right. And that is a flaw in socialism to some degree, but nobody ever talks about the flaw in capitalism, right? Which is which is which is that if something if the thing that is best does not make money or God forbid loses money, it won't fucking happen 
That's our problem now. All we know, we're well aware of all the things that absolutely need to happen now. And if and but the first thing we always have to do is figure out how it's going to be profitable. That's the number one goal, yes, right? Yes. It's like the vaccines. Are perfect I was thing. just going to say, yeah, the vaccine is. Yeah, you think? I mean, we're getting the shots for free on the on the back end, but but the government's paying trillions of dollars for this. Or yes. maybe it's not trillions, but they're paying billions of dollars right. for this vaccine because the vaccine manufacturers are like, we need to make money. They're spending Bezos of dollars. It's now, <laughs> it's now an amount. Right. I'm going to need a Bezos for this. Yeah. And it's like, and so it's like, what? And, and the thing is, the the solution is a mix of the two. Because everything that's made, everything that that made was made better about capitalism were were, were implementing certain socialist ideas. Mm. Social security is mm-hmm. one of them, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't have you ever heard of the uh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire? No. So that so that was the end of laissez-faire capitalism. That was the the event that most a lot of people agree basically sparked the labor movement because because. So in the I want to say it was 1930. No, maybe 1911. Katie can look it up. It was before 1930. Okay. And pre-30 is just a a wash of oh, people. Yeah. I think I want to say it was 1911. Suspenders and oh, kind of oh, dirty white up. shirts. But 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 shirtwaists were in style. Okay. And actually they were just about to go out of style. Okay. And anyway, there were no workplace protections. There was no such thing as 1911. Nailed it. There were no workplace. There were no workplace uh, protections. There was none of that shit. And this was this happened in New York. And people, these, it was a factory where they made shirt waists. Mm-hmm. It was just a thing women wrapped around their waist. And I was gonna say I don't know what that is. Yeah, and and they were on the ninth and tenth floor of this factory, and the. Um, they would lock the doors so that the women couldn't, you know, sneak out to smoke. Oh boy! And they would, and there was a there was a a, a, a floor boss or whatever, I don't know what you call him. Yeah. That would he he would keep the key to the other door so that women wouldn't sneak shit out. Mm. And they work they work nine hour days. Six days a week, only Sundays off, right? Mm-hmm. And so one day, one of the ladies is so disagreement whether one of the ladies was smoking or one of the machines sparked a fire, but it was a fire. Mm. And none of the women could get out. It was like 30 something women died, a few children died, and a handful of men died. But it was mostly like watching all of these like housewives jump out of the window and shit and fall to their death on fire. Mm. You know, because they were locked in their workplace. Yeah, right. <laughs> because right. the guy with the key ran as soon as they heard about the fire. Oh, thanks. And there was no there was no fire rules, so the 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 fire started on the the ninth floor, and by the time it got up to the tenth floor, it was too late. They, they didn't hear nothing about it. So, hmm. and the guy with the key ran, <laughs> and so these yes. ladies burned up in this building wow. or jumped to their death. Wow. And it, and you know that it took that. Wow. For them to go, okay, and and basically, that led to us. There was no such thing as the weekend, right? Before. Yeah, there was you no mean such- the rapper, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> both both are true, <laughs> and and there was there was no such thing as as right overtime. It, it took something super fucked up, yeah, for people to go yeah, right, because, maybe because that that was the laissez faire capitalism days. It was like anything goes, 
DeMarco will set it. And that right. obviously doesn't work, right? right? And right. so we had to implement, okay, you, you can't do this and you can't It's really do that. interesting. The idea that, and we are seeing it with uh, vaccine in the profit zone, like if they're, uh, we, we talk about this, Val and I talk about this all the time. Uh, this is some dumb hippie shit, I suppose, but like uh, apple cider vinegar, I had an ear infection uh, two weeks ago and I was just like, I was putting all these drops in it that I got at the store and, I, and nothing was working. And I was like, I, I, before I go to the doctor, because I don't want to go to the doctor, I know they're just going to, it's it's a pain in the butt. I'm just going to put some apple cider vinegar on a Q-tip and put it in my ear and just see what happens. <laughs> I Googled it first. Okay. It's an antiseptic. It kills uh, viral stuff. And dude, if it didn't clear it up in two days, it was gone. It was so fast. Really? It was f- basically free. The amount of stuff I was putting on it was tiny. I've done the same thing. I had uh, these like holes in my feet. I was like, what the fuck are these holes? I looked it up online. It's called planter's warts. It sounds gross. I soaked my foot. Again, I was like, before I go to the doctor. Oh, no, I did go to the doctor. They're like, we can freeze these off. That's the only treatment. We'll freeze it off. And she goes, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really painful. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I go home. I put my foot in apple cider vinegar. Two days. I soak my foot in apple cider vinegar in a little bit of water. Watching a movie both times, just like for an hour, we were soaking it. Gone. They completely healed. And so this is what we're talking about, where the, the where capitalism falls short is no one can patent apple cider vinegar. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so you can't say we own the rights to apple cider vinegar, so we're going to jack the price up and make a billion dollars off a miracle cure that'll cure your earache. And your it, sound, it sounds like something in the Wild West, like earache, nose ache, eye ache, you got a <laughs> right. cranky knee. It does all this fucking stuff, but capitalism doesn't give a fuck because it's always going to be $1.79 at the health store. Yeah, they did this shit with insulin. Did you know that? Hit it. Ins- insulin, insulin was invented by a, uh, by a dude in Canada and he and he he gave he gave the rights to I want to say the University of Toronto mm. because he he wanted it to not be for profit because it, it was so needed by so many people. Wow! And they ended how up, Canadian is that shit? Yeah, right there? No, but, real they, but they ended up selling the rights to an American pharmaceutical company. Oh, which so is they why got in, dirty. Right, which is why in America, insulin can be like a thousand dollars. Of, of, of wow. a vial. You know, it's like it's so expensive here for no reason. Right. I always wonder, dude, do you ever wonder this? I bet you do. I just feel like we're the same in this way. What are you doing with the money? If, if you are an evil corporation, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you and I are the CEOs of a, a, an evil corporation, and we're like, okay, we're going to make uh, this medicine and we're going to charge a billion dollars for it because we can. Now we have $100 billion. Like, literally, what do we do? Because I don't have a billion dollars. I go on nice vacations. Why do I need a hundred billion dollars? Like, like <laughs> w- literally, what do you do? After your estate on Long Island, after your Ferrari, you still have $99 billion. What do you do? But you have to, you I have... don't see these clowns at, at the Four Seasons. I don't see no, them. Where because, are they? Because you got to understand, right? Like, you know how comedians are like... A... Are like almost a, a, a subspecies, like, yes. like a different species, or, you know, slightly. Yeah, we're daywalkers. So th- th- that's a different species of person. Like, you ever watch Billions on the Showtime? I got billions of dollars. It's, I've never, I've seen a couple. So of it's like those those type of people. It's not about the money. It's about it's about dominating. It's yeah. like they want to win. 
Yeah. That's and that's and so that's why it's it's never enough. Like you like Jeff Bezos, why do you even why don't you just, just sell Amazon and go chill on the beach? No, he wants to defeat people. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? That's right. That's why he went to space for no reason. <laughs> this this motherfucker didn't even he didn't even do anything for humanity at all. He didn't take any measurements or readings or nothing. He could have yeah, pick up a rock. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff absorb, pick up a rock. <laughs> absorb a photon or something, <laughs> motherfucker. Nothing, because he, he doesn't care about anything but but one upping people. <laughs> absorb a photon, motherfucker. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay, well, you know the time for that. We animate these little clips. Oh, that is awesome. a good clip to animate right there. Okay. I there's so much going on. I could talk about bits all day. I'm very interested. You were in the foster program your whole life. Most of my childhood. Does that mean where are your birth parents? What happened? How did you get put into the foster system? Um, well, my uh, my birth parents uh, died in a house. No, I'm just kidding. They're, they're both alive. <laughs> you riffed a house fire because we talked about fires. Yeah, no, they're. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> they're, no, they're fine. Um, they died in the laissez faire. <laughs> yeah. No, they were just. Um, they were both. They were just young and. Yeah. Um, I'm actually just asking out of ignorance. I'm not trying to get like a sad moment out of you. No, no, no. It's, it's not. It's, I mean, I'm I'm way past being sad about it. No, because yeah. um, because we're all good now. Like I, you know them. Oh yeah. Oh really? Yeah. They didn't. They didn't disappear. <laughs> Um, but I thought that was help me out all I have is what I know from movies about the foster care system you gotta help me out so they you were put in as a child and you were taken care of by the state right at what age do you remember at six or seven six or seven so you you were kind of old enough to remember this I mean do you remember it I remember yeah and and how did it go um well, originally, we have ten minutes left. How did it go? I'm just kidding. Um, it, <laughs> we have it all the time was, you, you know, it was. I, I just spent a lot of time being angry. Really? Because, um, because there are, because I was a fairly. I want. I want to say I was an intelligent child, but I was a very perceptive child. And so I'm going to say was, you were. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's like if you. But a lot of adults refuse to it's like it's like there's an insecurity that comes along with having a smart smarter than average kid because you're prepared to communicate with them the same way you would a, a kid, right? And but but it's like, like you it, don't want to acknowledge that they're smart, right? Right. Well, it's like you want you you you'll acknowledge they're smart, but 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 being smart enough to understand being them being smart enough for you to understand for them to understand this adult thing mm. brings them a little too close because your adultness mm. is the thing you have over them, mm-hmm. not intelligence, right? So if you if you if you give them it's a threat, exactly. It's if it's a, it's a threat to your ego in a way. Get, oh, I love what you said. So, Adultness is great because that's the identity that you have. I am adult. You are a child. Right. Right. And this kid is stepping out of his box, and you're like, I I hate this. Who am a, I if this kid's yeah, smarter? Than so me? if I ever, I, the promise I made to myself is, if I ever have children, if they're smart enough to be asking about it, then I have to find a way to try to talk to them about it. I love that. Right. Because it's like I would. I was so confused about. 
why I have to move? Why do, do these people not love me? Mm. You know, what, what, you know, why do I keep being moved? Mm. You know, why it, it was like, uh, and adults feel like it's certain things they can't talk to you about because mm. you're a child, mm. right? And it's I like, was just watching Watchmen. Uh, have you do you watch Watchmen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like the some of the best writing. It's incredible. TV. Yeah, and uh, the the white knight uh, or her name's something knight. Anyway, knight's husband Cal is talking to the kids about death, and they go, "But he didn't. Did he go to heaven?" He goes, "Heaven is make believe. <laughs> Before he was born, he was nowhere. Mm-mm. Then he was a baby. Then he was a grown up. <laughs> then he died. Now he's nowhere again." And the kids are like, "Okay," and I was like. <laughs> Wow, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a toughie. I mean, it's not that's not even my belief system per se, but that's a great answer. It's it's just kind of going like, where were you before you were born? That's where you go when you die. It's, right. It, like, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but that was, to your point, speaking to children at the height of your intelligence and meeting them where they're at. So you were not, I'm guessing, no one was doing that for you. No, at least that was my perception of it at the time. But as I got older, and so that's why I was always angry. I was like, fuck all these people. They're all full of shit. Mm. Nobody was being real with you, which kind of explains your passion well, I, for I, saying shit. I realized, and also you got to understand too, it's like being, because intelligence isn't about, because some people equate intelligence with like memory. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, he remembers facts. So he's, mm-hmm. it's like, no, intelligence is, is your ability. It's like what, your ability to solve problems with the things you know. That's right. Like your ability to like, you know, utilize the right tools and the right, right? So that. it's, it's one not of those, memorization. That's Jeopardy. Right, right. That's so it's, it's one of those things where it's like when you're, um, when you're young that way and people don't, I'll put it to you like this. I, I, I when you're, when you're, when you're, you, you can be smart and still not have the tools. Like you can have the ability without, but when you're young, you don't have the tools yet, right? So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just like sometimes, it's like I was a smart kid, but I didn't have the vocabulary. That's right. To express myself. That's right. Right, and that's frustrating as a as a kid. It's like right? you're a juicer. You're a really high end juicer. Nobody's putting in fruits. Right. Yet. Right. Exactly. You just need the fruits. But if you give me some fruits, I'll make you so, some killer OJ. So I remember the the first time I remembered the first time I figured out that adults were full of shit is I remembered them. They put me on Ritalin. Oh man. And. Uh, and at the time, it was like experimental, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't trust the shit, <laughs> you know. And I couldn't tell you why. As a kid, I was like, I don't trust this shit. Because when I asked you what it was, you was, you know, your answer wasn't sufficient, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I was, I felt that, but I, th- I could not have said that sentence when I was that young. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, no, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But my uh, my foster mother <laughs> at the time, she had she had a lot of kids, and she would we would she would line us all up. And make us like she would watch us take our pills, right? And That's I was like Queen's Gambit stuff, right? Well, because she know she know kids, you gonna spit them out or whatever. Yeah. And the thing is, I was afraid of her, and I would have taken these pills, but she would make us all use the same cup mm. of water. Mm. You know what I mean? Just to, like save time or save dishes, and that grossed me out so much <laughs> that I was like, I gotta find a way to dodge this bullet. <laughs> And I and I figured out all kind of ways to not take the pill, how to palm it, how to put it up my sleeve, how to make it look like I popped it, all of that shit. And so I think I took it the first time, and then once I found out how to not take it, I ne- I didn't take it at all. Wow. And so so then they did like the month a month later they did the parent teacher conference follow up 
to see how I was doing on the new medication, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 this is another thing adults would do that would piss me off is they would talk about me like I wasn't there. Mm. You know what I mean? They would say he and mm-hmm. him like like instead like instead of you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I watched my teacher and my foster mother both sit up there and pat themselves on the back talking about how I made such an improvement. Because of the Ritalin. Because of the Ritalin. Yeah. Even though I, and I knew I wasn't taking it. Yeah. And I was like. And, so that was the confirmation you needed to be like. Yeah. And I, and something washed over me. And now I know that that feeling was these motherfuckers are full of shit. Yes. But I couldn't have said that back then. But I was just like, hmm, I have figured right. something out about this game. That's right. Because so many people are just hiding behind adultness. It's not actual. Right. And a lot of people do that with a lot of roles. It's like you're doing this for you so that you can feel like you solved me. Like That's I'm right. A, I'm a problem of yours. That's right. Right. And so I I spent a long part of my childhood just being mistrustful, mistrustful of adults, right? Mm. But that's dangerous. <laughs> because mm-hmm. because when you when you're young, you think that being rebellious is doing the opposite of what you're being told to do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what you're being told to do is what's best for you. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so you so, get into trouble with that? Oh yeah, constantly. What what was something that they told you to do that you absolutely should have done that you were like, no? Um, well, or or something they told me not to do. I mean, I shop, I would shoplift. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm smoking weed. How old? Just the whole time. I mean, I started smoking weed when I was. I'm gonna say no, no matter what age. Fourteen? No. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I remember. <laughs> okay, at least we're in the double digits. I thought for some reason you were gonna be like eight. I remember being at church and I and I stuck a, <laughs> I stuck a. Uh, I stuck a safety pin in a in a wall socket. Oh my god, man! Because I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. Like I've lived with so many kinds of families, and 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 this is what I this is what I know is true of every every black poor family for sure. But I'm I suspect every poor family or every struggling to make ends meet type of family is that nothing will get your ass whooped harder. Like the hammer won't come down harder. Than having to make one of your parents leave work, <laughs> if they gotta leave, because that's because that's getting added on top of the charges when they read the charges, you know, because that's what every and I had yeah, to leave every, work. It was the same in every household. Whoever was the disciplinarian in the household, they would read the charges before they laid down the punishment. Hmm. Right in the heat of battle, it would mm-hmm. be like, oh wait a minute, so you telling me <laughs> that not only did you come up here and embarrass me, you go, you stupid ass, you stick, you stick a. Uh, 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 a thing in the wall talking, and I, I had to leave work. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, right? My now fingernails you. were black, and they and I smelled crispy. Oh my god! Oh yeah, man. What mm. did? What were some of the things that were good? The, think of a foster father or mother that was good that you were like, okay, this person. You know what? I mean, they were almost all what good. Was like, it? like, what did you like? Even the ones I was the angriest with. Mm. As I got older, I, I, I honestly believe that the vast majority of them were just doing their best. Mm-hmm. You know, and did people? Did you find certain individuals that would treat you like an equal? That would treat you at your level of intelligence? That didn't talk about you like you weren't in the room? Uh, like foster parents? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, one of my foster mothers actually, I would say probably the best one. Or my favorite one, um, but it was almost too much the other way. 
Mm. You know, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like, she's like, no, you're a grown man. Like, you need to, you need to. <laughs> I was like, I'm, th- I'm 13. <laughs> She's like, no, look, you need to do this and this. No, when are you started smoking weed? She's like, like, you gotta get a that's job. Actually, that's actually where I started smoking weed. Yeah, like, is no, it? She's like, yeah, you need to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and baby you. You need to. You need to be doing your own laundry. You know, learn how to cook your own meals. And also, I was like, I'm 13, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, she was like, yeah, you need to fend for yourself. Like, what? you know, or like one of the older boys would be picking on me. She'd be like, punch his ass in the face. Really? I'm not running downstairs every time y'all fighting to break it up. Wow. Yeah, punch his ass in the face. <laughs> it was like that kind of thing. I was like, um, I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I ended up kicking that kid down the stairs. You did? This yeah. is your foster it was on, it, Right. It was only five stairs, but <laughs> he deserved every bit of it. Because because the thing is, he could fight way better than me. He was older than me, and he was way more... Um, like in the movie, we're rooting for little Brian. Yeah. He it's was, a good moment. He was way more... He was... He was Sparky, spunky, yeah. you know, to a lot of, a yeah. lot of quickness. Yeah. yeah, And I knew that if I started a fight with him, he would beat the shit out of me. And I so knew you ended a fight with him. <laughs> well, no, because he wasn't like he wasn't like permanently like injured or no. Like I that. But it was like, but I was like, I need to do as much damage as possible in the first blow because the asshole was gonna come either way. <laughs> oh my God, you know. And so that was my mentality. You that, pushed him. I kicked him. You kicked him. I kicked him. Yeah. Where did the kick land? In right in the middle of his back. Oh, he was going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kicked him in the back. Yeah, and it was one of those. <laughs> it oh was, no! Because I remember it was just we just finished. I just ran to her to tell. And, and then she, you were like, she "Oh was, wait!" She, she said, was, "Punch you in the face." She was like, "Then punch his ass. Punch his ass back." And I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "You, you ain't gonna put your hands on no motherfucker." But I was like, "Okay, well let's go, let's go down in the garage then." And when we and oh, you he, set and the he trap like, right, and he he started walking up. You like, mean down bah! these five stairs? Yep. <laughs> Sparta, bow. And then when he landed, was he just too hurt and and oh, upset? I mean, he immediately got up and came for me. Oh wow, yeah. But and it it's was, and that's when you were hoping it was more stairs, but it was worth it. But you know what? He didn't fuck with me again after that. Really? No. See, we're back to prison. It's that prison mentality. You gotta, yeah. you gotta get the alpha out of the way. You gotta get the CEO at the comedy show out of the way. These are the, this is the wisdom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean violence. I think I want to say like that's the moment that I stopped being afraid of like defending myself. Is that right? Yeah. And did that come up again with him? No. It, no, in your life. Oh yeah. You've been in fights. I've been in a lot of fights. I get this feeling. Yeah. The and way I, I you mean, said that. Yeah. I took a lot of L's though. You know, not. I'm. You know, I still got a winning record. You know, <laughs> but what is a fight story that we won't be horrified by? What's a good one? <laughs> What's a story where we'll go? That was an interesting story that happened to have a fight. A fight story. You know, I remember. So when I first, um, so right a little bit after I left working at the the comedy club at the Mouse, I was working at an Irish pub mm-hmm. called Rosie O'Grady's, and I was I was the doorman. Rosie O'Grady from yeah. League of Their Own? No, this is in San Diego. I'm just kidding. And and obviously it's like you you know being a ba- being a, at the front door, you're a captive audience. So mm-hmm. people would come out to smoke, and you know, and I was I would just sit there and watch people get drunker as the night went. Right, you know? right. But you are sort of like the flag planted in the ground. Oh yeah, because I I could always I could always tell when someone was drunk 
when they started telling me the, a story they'd already told me twice. Right. You know? Right. Like, oh yeah, you're fucked up. It's time for you to go. Right. You know? Right. And but anyway, the this couple walked up to me and I'm sitting on the stool and there's like a little table beside me. This couple walked up and um and they seemed pretty they seemed fine. And um the but the dude, the boyfriend didn't have his ID. Mm. And I was like, Yeah man, sorry you gotta have your ID on you, you know, and and he was like, okay, well, I live I live across the street. Like, I'll just be right back. And so she had hers, and she went in. And he was gone for, like, an hour. Mm. And over the course of that hour, like, every 20 minutes or so, she would come back outside and be a little drunker and mm-hmm. telling me the same story again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in those situations, girls would get a little handsy. Sure. You know, everyone gets a little handsy when they're drunk. Because they don't, you don't realize it because everyone else is drunk. But I'm, I'm sober, mm-hmm. right? And, she, and anyway, the point is. She's outside for like the third or fourth time, drunk, clearly drunk, and um, and she she sets her phone in her purse like on my little table, and she's sitting there talking to me like like up in my face, real too little close, but whatever, I'm used to it. She's telling me the same story again, and by this point, I got into the point where I didn't humor people. I was just be like, "You said that already. You told me that before. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna torture me with your fucking story that wasn't even good to begin with." And, I'm, and so, facts are changing. Yeah, on the so third I'm in the middle of saying that. I'm like, you already told me that story. You already told me that story. And and, and they don't believe you, so do you have to tell the story? Mm. To be like, yeah, and, and, then, and then your mother went to Canada. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And, so I'm, and, and she uh, sold the right. uh, rights to insulin, I I'm, remember. I'm in the middle of that. And then, and then her boyfriend comes out of the blue and, like, picks her up from behind and runs across the street. What? Yeah, he he picks her up and and runs across the street because because at this part of San Diego there, it's a line of bars. At this time, there was like six or seven bars in a row, mm. and our bar was the, was the only one that was on this side of the street. Mm. So so I think he ran. I think he went to another bar and got drunk, and then ran over there like maybe seen somebody he knew and then ran over there and grabbed her and they ran across and then they maybe they they came back maybe like fifteen minutes later. And as they were approaching the door, I was like, I was like, hey, you left your phone and your stuff right here. And I'm looking at the stuff, and this dude just elbows me right to the side of the head. And oh and, no. And it was and, and my head bounced off the like the edge of the door frame. Yeah. Just blindsided me, right? And at that time I was in decent shape. And I get up and slam this dude on the ground, and I and and uh, and, he, and this is the crazy part. Well, the is, crazy part is you were just hit unprovoked for no reason. Yeah, you're returning a phone. No, but he he immediately is acts confused. Like, what are you doing? Why are you attacking me? And I get a couple hits, and I get an elbow to the ribs, and a and a and a left to the face, and. And before I could raise my hand up one more time, there were three cop cars around us. What? Yeah, because this was this was, again, like I told you, this is like I forget what they call the strip, but there's, you know, there's six or seven bars or in a, on this whole street. Yeah. And so the cops are constantly around the outs in the outside streets, right? Because if anything happens, because a fight happens every weekend, you know, if anything right. happens, they're they're there like that, right? And they were everywhere, and. Um, and immediately, this, and this dude is still acting like he's confused as to why I'm beating the shit out of him, right? <laughs> and 
so the cop puts both of us in handcuffs and the bar the bartender is losing her mind. She's out there, she's like, That's my guy. What the fuck is going demand? You know, like that real like white lady energy. <laughs> and W L E. Yeah. And the cop, you know, is like, I'm just gathering the facts. I'm just putting everybody in handcuffs till I gather the facts. And then he pulls me to the side and he's like, Okay, so what do you want us to do with this guy? And that is the first time in my whole life that I ever felt like the cops was on my side. Like he was like, "What do I want you to do with him?" Yeah, that's what you asking me. Wow, (laughs) right? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, what do you want to do? You press charges, let him go." I was like, like, "Let him go." I was like, "Because I'm not going to court." Wow. Yeah, but that is a that's a fight story we can all get I, behind. Yeah, it's like I do like having the option though. I like because yes. yeah, no no other time ever has it been like oh they're on my side. I don't yeah. got to prove nothing. Yeah, that is that is a taste of the privilege that white people. That's what we're talking about. Oh yeah. Now yeah. to be fair, I mean there was there was a very upset white lady that I did work for. Yeah, and several white witnesses because it's an Irish pub. <laughs> You're saying you were a little white by proxy, right? Right. on your behalf. He, I mean, because he could have easily been like the most progressive San Diego PD ever, yeah. or he could have just been like, "Well, that's a lot of white people <laughs> corroborating." <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, so that's a lot of white. people. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah, with telling the same story. That is too. I mean, there's a lot of uh, implications of the story that are not funny, but I liked a lot of what you said. <laughs> yeah, to, that's that. You did it. You told a fight story that we could all get behind. Yeah, we can get behind that. Um, okay, so we're we're almost done, and we always talk about the meaning of life. And you teased it. First of all, before we do that, what are the other things you're grateful for for being a comic? You said you had a list. Is this podcast called The Meaning of Life? No, it's just called You Made It Weird. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but we always talk about the meaning of So life. what was the question? Was what's something I'm grateful for? No, no, no. Remember, early before I ask you the last questions, I want to know, you said you had a list of things to be grateful for as a comedian. Do you remember any of the other ones? Remember you said you get to hang out with great conversation. You. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, well, that's the thing that I think we're most spoiled by. But I think once you can like make a living just off your mind. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's such a fucking privilege. Yes, you know that's um, right. Um, but I, I'm saying I keep a list of things that I have to remind myself. Yeah. aren't that bad. Like when I'm complaining about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I I'm real. I'm a stickler about my paper too. You know, so it's like I need my money on time in the full amount. Yeah, and until I get it, I'm not gonna be happy. <laughs> you know, like until it, until I see the deposit, I'm gonna be upset. And it's like, yeah, but you're still making money. You know, you don't have to like let it ruin your whole day. Right. That right, right, right. It's not here on time. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. It's like that kind of stuff. Right. But I just remember myself, like, you're literally living your dream. And most people don't even know what their dream is. Right. You know, like, let alone have it come true. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's or right. some people are even worse. Some, some people are neutral, like, they have no idea what their dream is. And some people are doing the wrong dream. Like, they think it's their dream. Yep. But and we, you know, comics like that. Every once in a while, oh yeah, comic, it's like you know, it's like you're just a fan. You're not a comic, right? And but right. You're, but you're but now you've been doing this for seven years, and I don't have the balls to tell you to stop. <laughs> you know, that's I like weird. I don't like I don't love because that's the thing. Truth is about love. It's like I don't love you enough to tell you the truth. Wow, you know? Yeah, I mean that's why Val, my wife, she's not here today, but uh, 
that if there's a breath thing or a tooth thing or like something hanging out your ear yeah. that other people are going to look the other way, that's what you have a partner for. Pain, painful truths only come from people that love you and people that hate you. <laughs> that's true. Right? And so it's that's like that's really true. It's like yeah, it's almost like it's like it's like if your if your breath stink at the party, yeah, half most of the people at the party. Are going to be like oh, they're going to tell somebody else. Yeah, they're going to smile through it and then tell someone else. That's right. But somebody that really love you going to be like, hey man, fucking slide this mint. You yeah, know, this is yeah. a big meeting. You yeah, know? I had that with nose hair and a friend. I had to be like, <laughs> look, you're at that age. Yeah, and you got to start trimming up that that that, that back cave. <laughs> it's getting a little funky up there. So you have a mustache because you know you have like facial hair awareness. Nope. But but oh but, yeah, like because you're trimming a mustache, you know your nose is right there. Oh, but yeah. some people don't have either, and and their nose gets out of control. Okay, so you said you took a class when you were at your college about the history of religions, and I'm curious what your what you took from that class, where you're at right now with the meaning of life, because we like deconstructing everything. What's yeah, going it, on it, here, it, Brian? It was the what was, is this? It was the philosophies of religion. Right? Oh, okay. And the thing is, I really I started taking the class right before I started. I started taking the class before I was like halfway through the class before I started doing comedy. Okay. And or I took, already taken the introductory class or whatever. But I, uh, but I remember initially, I just loved being in the with the free think because 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 this guy what he did was. He went through every religion. And he he basically taught us basic logic in the beginning, mm. and then applied it to every religion. But he started with the Eastern religions, mm. so everyone was on board. Mm-hmm. And you and so and, you couldn't get mad when yeah, you got it was to basically it. like a setup in the punchline. Yeah, it was like yeah. he started with the thing that you could not that you had no problems with, and got you in the habit of applying this logic. And then when you got to your religion, mm. like when we started doing the Western religions, like a lot we lost like half the class. People left. Oh yeah, people left. Really? Oh yeah. Because yeah. he he taught this class a million times, and he was ready. He had an answer for everything. It was wow. like the, there was nothing you could you weren't going to argue with him about your beliefs because he was like, yeah, but but if this is true about that, you know. It was that so he was deconstructing it. Yeah, he deconstructed every every major religion in a in a in a dismissive way. Like this is why Buddhism isn't shit. No, um, it or- was it wasn't really like this isn't what. This isn't why it isn't shit. It was almost, it was almost like he would be like, his whole goal was like question everything, give everything the same level of scrutiny. Mm. So he wanted you to to question, mm-hmm. but a lot of people when it you know when it's the thing that's precious to you, it's hard for you to do that. Mm-hmm. So then they would have rebuttals, and he was like, okay, well, what about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was like he just didn't let you out of it. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't let you. Isn't that interesting? Quit thinking. I used to think that all the time when I was uh, Chris, very, very Christian. I would be like, isn't it weird that if I was in India, I would have been raised Hindu or, or Buddhist, or if I was in another part of the country? And I almost was like, because it was so easy for me to be like, well, the Mormons are full of crap, or 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 this religion or this religion. Well, they're they're full of crap. But yeah. then I was like. But I I kind of wanted to separate myself from my own religion, but because I had been raised in it, I didn't feel like I could, and that's what yeah. was happening well, in it, your class. It, yeah, it blew me out of the water because it was like, well, this 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 happened at that time, and this is what was going on in the world when that happened, mm. and this is why people clung to this this because because you know in every situation like all the religions you name there were competing things mm-hmm. but th- this won out for a specific reason because mm-hmm. it appealed to you know what's well, funny because buddhism is hinduism yeah. uh packed for export That's but what i also got out of that class was there were two or three people in the class that were in like this atheist group 
Mm. And I just wanted to be around people that like, because I was like, oh, philosophy. I'm a philosopher. Mm-hmm. I want to be around other people that do these critical exercises about everything. And I started being in this atheist group, and <laughs> it just it wasn't for me. You know? <laughs> I was like, this isn't quite this isn't quite it. And then I, you know, and then shortly after, I went to the to the bar, and I when I tried comedy, and I was started being around comics. I was like, okay, this is what I. I wanted to be around this kind of stuff, not mm. this other kind of shit. Mm. What was it? It's interesting. I was just listening to a lecture where they were like, no universal truths, which is sort of what can be. And there's all different kinds of atheists. But a lot of people believe that there is no pattern to the universe. And that's their universal truth. So their universal truth is that there is no universal truth. Does that make sense? But right. the belief that there is no universal truth is a universal truth. It's, they just have one universal truth, which is that there is no universal truth. But it can also be simpler than that. It's like, does what you believe make you an asshole? <laughs> like, ever. If if just one time your beliefs caused you to be an asshole to somebody, mm. that's not good. Because well, this is what made me stop hanging. This is what made me quit the atheist group. We went on a, we went on a field trip to the Creationist Museum. Mm. Like an ironic field trip? Right, right. And... We were just like, I just want to see what they're saying up here. And it was actually terrifying because the dude the dude that took us on the tour, he he knew enough about science to where if you didn't know shit about science, like if, if he was talking to anybody that wasn't a scientist, he made a lot of sense. Mm. You know, if anybody that wasn't scientifically literate, because he knew all the right terms mm-hmm. and he had his own set of like, rebuttals and stuff like that and it's like if you don't have the the right so but we were just on this tour just to see like what are they saying to people right and, and you didn't know that the guy was going to have like some really funky facts that if you don't know the counter evidence oh, well, no, you, I mean, you're kind of out of your depth I kind of knew but but because there were a lot of people in this group that were like you, they were used to debating and right. atheists and shit like that but what happened is we did what we didn't know was because we were such a large group, there must have been like 13 of us. Mm. But they paired us with a Christian family that had driven from like uh, Tulsa, like Georgia or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like somewhere far. I don't remember exactly where they were from, but they drove from far. Yeah. Like, yeah, like more than 500 miles. Wow. And they paired us with this family for the tour because it was only one tour guide. Mm. And. So at and y'all know if you remember, but at that time, like this is around like 2012, 13, That's when it was popular to be like a militant atheist. You mm. know, when it was only when people that would like fight and argue. So there was one of these guys in our group, and of atheists, right? Of atheists, and we're all on a tour with this family, <laughs> and it gets to the point where like he just cannot stop trying to counter all of this dude's arguments. <laughs> you know, and it got to the point where like here's a group of atheists and everyone was like, "Will you get the fuck out of here, please?" <laughs> You're ruining this for us and well, the family. Well, it's just like it's just like it's like well, the, the 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 dad and the family was like, "Can you please stop? Like I'm here with my like we drove all the way from yeah. wherever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we get How it. How do we turn the commentary off on this DVD? Well, it's just it's just it's like you're not changing anyone's mind in here. Right. The, and now you've blown our cover. <laughs> now he knows that we spies because you because you got so emotional about yes and I was like I don't want to be in this. it's like you just ruined the family's vacation you didn't get anything out of it other than 
you get to go brag about that. And it's like, this are we pieces of shit? Why are we here? Uh, <laughs> right. So it made you an asshole. It made him an asshole. Right. It made us yeah. an ass. It made yeah. it made he was definitely the asshole. But it's like I'm, uh, you know, and the whole group wasn't that way. But it was like. Yeah, it's like I don't think this is where I fit in. Is this where you're leaning now? Don't be an asshole with your beliefs. I mean, I, I that that is part of my beliefs, I think. But uh, uh, that also seems a little bit that's too simple. Mm. I mean, don't be an asshole is a good practice. But what do you think is going on here? Do you have any framework for the universe for the meaning of life? Oh, the meaning of life. Is this what you always ask about? At the end? Yeah. Oh. Um, just like do you, we could make it real simple and be well, like, no, I don't. The thing is, I don't think that. I think the need for meaning is a side effect of of being an intelligent species. Mm-hmm. We're the only creatures on Earth that give a shit about meaning, especially to put it above anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like we, like you said, like we need meaning so bad, will miss meals mm-hmm. or put ourselves in danger mm-hmm. whereas like every other creature on earth doesn't give a shit if you know what would it mean like you know it's like the 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 antelope doesn't care what the lion's meaning is that's right you know and if you watch like a a fox dying of old age not being chased by a predator mm-hmm. it just lets go Oh, it's yeah. not worried about the cat just yeah. hides somewhere. That's right. Passes it's, away. That's right. Yeah. Or you see, or it's like you see two kids playing. You like, it's like why does it have to mean something? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the, the 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 question what is the meaning of life presupposes that there is one, and I don't even know if there is one. Right. You know. Maybe right. maybe we're just here. You know. Maybe we're an accident. Um. Maybe we are an inevitable part of some inevitable process in the universe. I mean, I think about like the Fermi paradox all the time. What's that? It's it's the it's the idea that so the 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 paradox is according to calculations that have been done based on what we know about life and what it's made of and how long it takes to for things, you know, obviously Earth is the reference, you know, in the size of the galaxy and all of these other things, there should be, mathematically speaking, there should be hundreds, if not thousands, of intelligent species out there. Mm. So the question is, why aren't there? Why? Well, where are they? Uh huh. Right, and you know, and. And so the answers to that are what are terrifying, like the the possible the possible answers. And one is, and this is the one I tend to gravitate towards, but it's the idea that there is a certain when when a species is intelligent, there's a certain level of intelligence where they destroy themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and because mm-hmm. that's that's the only one that adds up to me all the way all the because the, the, oh, the other the other ones yeah. are like we don't see it because they're so more much more advanced than us that they hide. They're hiding from us because we, we're, we're nothing to them. Mm-hmm. Or we don't see it because we're not sophisticated enough. Or we're the only ones. Mm-hmm. There aren't any. Mm-hmm. Right? Just inexplicably, we're a miracle. Right? <clears throat> but but that's the most interesting one to me because it's it seems like to survive, you have to want to survive. And so to, the need to survive is 
you have to have an ego. And, and if you have an ego, those get out of control, and then those end up right. killing and, the whole and, thing. And, and every time we make a technological advancement, we also, our destructive potential grows. Yeah, for know? sure. Yeah. yeah remember, for like, remember for like a decade or two, I was like, yeah, the, remember the doomsday clock? Mm-hmm. For like a decade or two, it was like, nukes might happen. Mm-hmm. We're at, <laughs> I don't know what the, what the, it was like, we're at five o'clock for nukes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, someone thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, we were that close to just wiping everything out, and we're and now we're about to do it, we're like, we're ignoring like climate change and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, right, right, right. It's like, maybe that is, maybe that's what happens. Maybe That's very interesting. You could, you could have a graph of like, our ambition rising. But also ambition and success feeds the ego, and the ego is ultimately insane. You know, like deep down, just kind of wants what it wants when it wants it. It's not very thoughtful. It's not very heartfelt. So those two things are growing parallel to each other, they're, or they're growing at the same exact rate, and it leads to the same thing that's keeping us alive and making us thrive is also the thing that destroys us ultimately. Because yeah. you notice how you've nothing you've ever heard of any world leader in history has ever been and he was the smartest person right and no no we we no we only hear about the people that fucking destroy and kill and like alexander the great and caesar and yeah yeah, yeah. hannibal and cicero and i mean you know cicero i don't know that, where that came from but but, Cisco. but but none of no no one that's ever been president has ever been the smartest person right no even the founding fathers i bet you if you went back then you know, everybody would be like, "This motherfucker is smarter than all of us." That's right. That's right. He's not going to be in charge of. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, he gets to sign stuff. Well, it's a different compulsion. Politics, it's and leadership is a different compulsion. Yeah, well, and that's that's also the problem, right? Is the people. The people that end up being leaders are the people that want to be in charge. That's right. That's It's like comedians are always going to be a little bit off because we want to walk out on stage and have everyone clap before we've even done anything. Like we want to be loved just for showing up. Right. And so does Barack Obama. I'm, not, you know, I'm picking yeah. him because he's a great president. And he also has like a fucked up compulsion to be like, I'm very important. And <laughs> you should kiss my ass. Right. <laughs> like he has that. Yeah, Nobody yeah. would get into politics if they didn't have a little bit of that. Or yeah, a lot of it. A lot of cutthroat too. Also cutthroat. Yeah, it's like, or I have, or I also have these pictures of you and what you did in Vegas. <laughs> mean Obama. Yeah. Uh, I also have these photos. That I don't think your wife would want to see. Barack. That's a, that's a pretty good Obama. A <laughs> <laughs> not bad Obama to round us out the hour. Do you think uh, there's a God? Do you believe in anything like that? Uh, no. No. Still, I try, I try not to. You try not to because it could make you into an asshole. Well, I just, I'm. Like I said, I need I need things to make sense to me, mm. and so I was very religious throughout my whole childhood, mm. and um, but that was always the sticking point. Is like, well, this doesn't make sense, mm. <laughs> you know, because every religion has their way of like explaining away those things. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, I would go to the preacher and they'd be like, "Well, you're, you know, God's plan is beyond." our human understanding mm-hmm. you know and i'm like okay you know but I, and i always had questions but i was always afraid to question and then i would always accept that mm-hmm. but then when i was in the military there was this um atheist dude in our platoon and he was one of those militant atheists and i'll never forget that um one of the a missionary got onto the base somehow because you know like, they're not supposed to come soliciting the barracks but he made it to the barracks and 
we were all outside smoking and joking, and he came up like preaching the word of the Lord and shit. And this dude, his name was John Brown. I don't, he didn't like black people very much, I think. Uh, he would deny that, but um, but John Brown was a famous abolitionist. I just laugh at he would deny that. Yeah, like, um, he denied that, but 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 my point is, I watched him fucking just eviscerate this guy. It was like everything the guy was saying, he was like, that's bullshit. This is why, here's facts, here's statistics. And so the questions that I would always ask the people in my life about religion, the answers that, you know, they would give me an answer and I would accept the answer, but I didn't even think to question the answer. But he was questioning the answers that I'd always been given. And I was like, oh, damn, that does make sense. This is a good point. And that's when I was like, I think I'm on... I think I'm going to give up this religion shit and just be spiritual. Mm. And I started trying to lucid dream and all mm. of that. Can you? Know? you? No, not very much. Not very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I always lose control when I try to fly. I spin out of control. Yeah, me too. I always wake up. Um, yeah, and but but I started, you know, doing that and, and, and meditating and reading different scriptures, you know, different writings and all that stuff. And, it, and so I, that's when I, I left religion then, but I was still like, there's some greater power. Mm. And then when I got into that philosophy class, I was like, no, I think we just, it's an answer. It's a use, it's a useful lie because not having the answer is unbearable. Mm. So we, even if we have to make up an answer that comforts us, you know, I think that's where most religions come from. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, separate from the people from like the con men trying to just get money out of people. But there's there's also like the need for there to be something is our way of coping with the dread. Right. That there may be nothing. Well, yeah, Richard, uh, a Franciscan that I love, he's like, faith is supposed to be your your comfort with uncertainty. Yet somehow we turned it into the opposite. We turned faith into certainty. This is what happened. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That sort of stuff. Right. But really... Uh, a real spiritual person, a person of faith, is supposed to be comfortable in the uncertainty and the not knowing. But then, but then I'm like, imagine being the dude with the balls to just make it up. <laughs> well, they did. That's. Have you seen the invention of lying? No. That's basically what that movie is about. I have some issues with it, but I enjoyed it a lot. Just to be the guy to be like, you know what? I just spoke to God in that cave over there. Yeah. And he says. You can't go to school or drive a car. That's <laughs> so I'm, really I'm funny. I'm sorry. You should write that down. That's funny. Really? I feel like that's been said, maybe. I mean, yeah, but I like the way you just said it. Yeah, like, Everything's yeah. been said, Brian. Yeah, it's like, it turns out. Yeah. Because you know, that's another thing, too. It's like, if you, I think if you ask most people to describe God, they, and you, and if you let them, if you let them just go, mm. they end up describing themselves. Oh, for sure. Like, their own fears and desires. and. Well, Elon Musk, a programmer, is like, God's a programmer. Old yeah. Jewish men said God's an old Jewish. Oh, I saw, I saw the, I saw the, the watch there. Are we overtime? There's no real overtime. Oh, okay. I have something at one, but we're okay. Okay. This, this is where we get real loosey goosey. This is my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah, this is. All I'm gonna do after this is go play Overwatch. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not like in a serious hurry. Is, is this when you usually play Overwatch? Yeah, she's got a oh, camera on what? her dogs. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not Val. 
Oh no, that's Katie. Oh, and you, and you did introduce us, but I that's okay. Immediately forget every name that anyone ever. No, that's honest of you, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm so bad with, it. and it's not it's not good in Hollywood because no matter how honest you are or how sorry you are, people people get, are mad. Yeah, you know what I try to do is as quickly as I can. Like if I meet you and then ten seconds later I'll just go, sorry, what was your name again? I panic when people tell me their names. No, because you you, you know you know what the problem is is that here. Uh, here, people have a tendency to get be especially catty, mm-hmm. and I don't do that. But but people that are catty always assume that if your if your comment can be interpreted that way, you know what I'm saying? Like people here talk like Tyrion Lannister, mm. where they'll make they'll make little comments that are insults if you think about it, mm-hmm. but aren't but aren't really right. Yes, sure, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, slipping them past right right and so some people assume it's the weirdest shit is like they assume that you're either pretend that you're pretending to not know who they are yep to make them feel less than you because that's what they do i right oh it is what they do absolutely yeah. Yeah, the currency in L.A. is like knowing who people are. I remember, I don't go to many of these parties, but I went to one of my agency parties, and I met somebody, and um, I don't remember why. I said it very politely, but some my agent was like, this is Damon. And I go, oh, hey, man, uh, nice to meet you. And, and, and my agent was like, he's on this. And, and I was like, oh, I haven't heard of it. And, and this guy, just like an L.A. cliche, young actor, uh, up-and-coming actor, he went, I haven't heard of it. He went, you will. I was like, uh, I didn't mean it as an insult. I just meant like I haven't seen it. And I was like, that's a, that's the bad part of it. You know the most terrifying part about that story is agency party. I know. That makes me. Well, Brian, don't go to the hardware store for milk. Yeah. And don't go to an agency party for like heartfelt, wise, genuine, present moments. You know like, what go I for moments like that. Whenever I'm in one of those situations, I'm always like, how long do I need to be here? Because you're a comedian, Brian. Yeah, I, sh- I, I, sh- what I this is my strategy. I show up early, mm. so that who's whoever, so that as people show up, they all see me, and then you can leave. And then, and then after 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 people start drinking, I leave because they won't remember anyway. Well, see, I, this is the bouncer in you. Yeah, you remember? They remember that I was there. That's right. And that's it. After that, it's all about them yeah. and Johnny Walker. That's all they care about. But ninety percent of the time, I'm not going. Oh, me too. Yeah, I'm like I'm not. I don't want to do that. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, and a, a, a party because an agency party sounds. <laughs> it's like that sounds like the worst kind of party. It's like uh, maybe not the worst, but but it's in the it's in the top five. I'm gonna go ahead, Ryan, and say that while I value the invite, thank you, WME, and all the invites that I've gotten over the years, I like being invited. But when I get there, I usually go. It's like you said earlier, which was very wise. Some people go to uh, support comedy, to give to comedy. Some people go to extract from comedy, right? Yeah. I find at those parties, and I could just be projecting, everybody's just looking to extract. They want to get something for themselves. So there's not a lot of giving. There's just a lot of taking. And when you're in a room of 350 people that are all looking for a moment for them to make the party worthwhile, it's a it's a lonely feeling. Oh. So you got to find yourself a waiter find a bartender or find uh, a some, comic or a comic. Yeah. That's exactly right. But it's like, I don't want, I just don't want to be in a room full of agents. 
Unlike my agent. <laughs> well, you should. Yeah, you they're know, working but, hard for but, it. But I don't. I don't want to be. It's like that doesn't sound like a good part. It, it's. It's like to me. That's the. That it's the same tension as if I was in a party full of people that were like fifteen years younger than me. Yeah. You know, where it's like I don't belong here. That's right. On top of the fact that I don't and even, we should get the agents in pinata, yeah, yeah. <laughs> filled with money. It's like, can I, can I just, can I tap in on Zoom? Can I, can I just watch the stream? Because <laughs> I wouldn't even want to be here if it was a room full of people that I love. That's hilarious. Actually, that's true. You could get everybody. I've had parties where it's everybody there. Val and I had a joint birthday party. It was everyone we knew, and even that was a lot for yeah. me. I was I, like, I'm one of those people that like two of you. Like you said, I like it, well. I do like being invited to stuff that I w- that I want to go to, but like not that. I would I would my dream is for my agents to know me enough to know that I wouldn't want to go mm. and this not invite me. I think you can get there. Yeah, I believe in it. I, I, it's, it's coming. It's coming. They're perceptive. That's great. But did, did did you get a lot from JFL? Are you getting some some buzz? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be you know, surprised. I don't know what buzz is yet. Um, it's it's a little terrifying mm. because, like I said, I think a lot of a lot of surviving here, surviving in the in the in the business, mm. is is letting things that don't make sense go. And I that, feel like and, that's going to be the whole second half of your life. Yeah, that's my kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, but I see, I, I have this vision of you coming back on the show in 10 years, and you're just like, I, I hope the same thing for me, too, where you're just like, I just don't care as much about things making sense. <laughs> and you're just drinking tea. I no, just, I've let it go, cause, Pete. Cause this, is what I, this, this is what I described <laughs> it to somebody, right? It's just, And this is me being, this is, I know I'm you're, very- You're muscly more than I thought. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm, one of those secret muscle guys. My, my friend Jamal was like, "You look like a retired judo instructor." That's so funny. Yeah. I would cast you as a retired judo instructor. Yeah. I in got about three, about about two or three good ass whoopings le- to give. Yeah, I bet you left, do. but I would I would be injured <laughs> for sure. I would pull something. It wouldn't be them. You would injure yourself. Right. Yeah. It would yeah, be yeah, from yeah. the power. I didn't that, mean. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt, but you just sat up and I was like, no, I was, "Whoa!" No, I'm saying the the analogy I use. This is just my observation of being in. In, uh, in show business, because you know, for most of the time, it's mostly show. You're not in the business. The bi- <laughs> you, you 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 know the show is you being good at your craft or whatever. Mm. But getting in the business is most of like you living in L.A. just hoping. Right. And the way I described it to people, the way I described it last night was, um, it's <laughs> it's a man. It's it's like it's like show business is this ocean. It's like the the Hollywood, L.A. is this ocean. Mm. Hollywood, it's this ocean, and. The business is this luxury lot, yacht, mm. and everyone's swimming beside the yacht, hoping to get pulled on board. Wow. Right? And then finally one day someone pulls you on the boat, and you're like, oh, thank God. Fuck, I thought I was going to swim forever. And then you go, and they go, yeah, and here's a place for you to sleep right here. Oh, man, wow, I haven't had my own place to sleep in a long time. This is really good. Yeah, and, and the chow hall's down there. Wow, this is nice. And you look over the side, <laughs> and to make room for you, they're throwing off Billy Baldwin. <laughs> well, no, that, that's funny, though. No. No, but it's but it's like, but it's like you Whoa! He, he you looks sleep. like from Biodome. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just dead. <laughs> Do they kill him first or throw him off? Um, no, but but it's like you after you after you after you're on there for a couple of weeks, you start noticing little things. You're like, hey, 
um, I've been seeing a lot of rats mm. around the kitchen area, and I see. I see boxes of rat traps right there. Can we, can I just set some of these up? It was like, no, 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 no. So why? What the, the captain? The captain likes the rats. What? I'm like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Be quiet. You want to go back in the water? Uh, no. <laughs> you hear Billy in the water. Don't complain about the <laughs> yeah, rats. Yeah. yeah, and then and then and then what happens is you know, and then it's like thirty years later. You're, you've sold your soul, mm. and you've made your money, and you've made your peace, and you're drunk at some party, some agency party, and the captain's at the party. Mm. And you go, you go, uh, so, sir, he's like, your moment. You go, what the fuck was going on with the rats? Like, why do you love the rats so much? He was like, rats? What fucking rats? You know, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That whole time they said, it's like, it's like, the, it, I see. It, it's this whole thing where you have to just ignore things it, it's, it's like it's full of inefficiency right the excuse for the rats was a lie right the excuse for the rats was a lie and the person and when you finally get high enough that's when you find out but it's too late you've already put up with the rats right. for 30 and years. the people that the people that are, that are high enough are oblivious right that's right right because it's it's like because their their floor doesn't have rats it's like this level right the, the rats aren't on their floor yeah all they see is the results that's right you know, they yeah. they don't even know about the people that get thrown overboard. Here's know? a here's a poll quote for the poster of the movie about this metaphor. Harrowing. Mm-hmm. Pete Holmes, you made it weird. Because that's a harrowing analogy. It's true. Yeah, it was it, it was a long one. No, I loved it. But it's chilling. Yeah. It's scary. It really is. It's like we're, the whole thing. We're all You just... had me scared at swimming desperately trying to get picked up on the boat. Yeah, and then everybody on the boat's just trying to stay on the boat too. That's why they look the other way when there's rats and stuff. Well, you know what it is? It, it's run no just food. like every shitty place I've ever worked, where it's like the people with the the people with the with the ability to know what's wrong mm. don't have the power to or are not, are not empowered to tell the people with the ability to fix what's wrong. That's right. Probably because those people just want to stay on the boat. They're probably exactly. newer on the boat. Exactly. And then by the time you get, dude, I'm not a superstar by any means, but I'm saying like, I'm at a point of comfort where I'm even losing touch with some of the rats that I used to put up with. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten comfortable enough that I'll, you do too. When you you stop emceeing at comedy clubs, you forget that it sucks that you're making $30 a show. You're just too busy eating your Sabra hummus plate. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) And you're glad that it's there. Or or when you walk into a comedy club and people know who you are and and, and want to do stuff for you. Right. And you're not... You forget what it's like to feel like invisible right. at the comedy store, right? <laughs> right, you know. I. It's funny. I'll never forget because it always. I, I know you won't in a certain way forget too. It always feels weird every time I go to. It doesn't matter if my name's on the marquee if they're like, "Hey, Pete." I'm like, "Excuse me." <laughs> I, I still yeah, feel like no, my character right. on Crashing going. I know you do too, yeah. and you can forget too at other times. Let me let me ask you. What, you got something? No, I was going to ask you the last question because we do we did talk about like the meaning of everything. You got Overwatch coming up. Katie's got to f- free her dogs. I've got a. I don't know what I got at one. It's some press thing. Can you think of a time in your life, Brian Simpson, when you laughed so hard you thought you were going to puke? Or you yes. going to cry? And can you tell me what happened that made you laugh that hard? Of course. <laughs> I will never forget this moment. Hit it. It's it's still I would it's it's one of the happiest moments in my whole life. I'm just crying. And, and I, boards I owe it all to mushrooms. Oh, good. 
I I was in the military and we we'd found out maybe four or five months before this that they don't test for mushrooms. Right. Right, unless somebody specifically accuses you, they they got to go get a special test to test you for that. They don't do it, right? Right. It's so just we, a black light poster. Are you transfixed by this? <laughs> right. That's the test. Do you right. want to watch Enter the Void? Right. <laughs> a lot of you motherfuckers been sounding enlightened lately. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of. That's shit. the special test. They have to go to uh, what's that? Fuck, I couldn't think of it. What's so, that goth store in the in the mall? Hot topic. Hot topic. Keep going. No, so so we've been doing mushrooms quite a bit. And <laughs> what do you mean, multiple times? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did my, I did, I probably did mushrooms maybe twenty times that year. Wow. Yeah, it was a real transformative period in my life. I was gonna say you didn't feel any God stuff there, <laughs> um, even if it was something you couldn't understand. Oh yeah, well that was my spiritual phase. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but but I anyway, hey. I I. So there was there was a homie of mine who he was like our drug guru, mm. like he knew everything about drugs, <laughs> when to do them, when, when they were safe. Yeah, and then well, you go. I don't think he liked black some, people, but he did oh, no, 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 he, no, he loves black. People. <laughs> okay, good. But he he was cool as shit, and we were all at his house. We were all fun. We were all. It was like the closest we ever were, and we were all on shrooms, <laughs> and we and we decided, like collectively, decided to watch Meet the Parents. Okay. And the tiny bathing suit, what's getting us from from the jump? From the jump. So, so the even before the movie starts. So, if you if back then, I I, I don't know if we had it on DVD or VHS, but it probably DVD. But at the very beginning, there was a it was like a fake commercial, it, right? It was and it, they were trying to sell you something, but it didn't make any sense. It was so nonsensical and. <laughs> And 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 they it, it was it, it went on forever and ever about all the stipulations and, and all that stuff. and the bear, the last thing was like and there's barely any rules and 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 everyone started laughing and and the laughter was so it, it was like at just at various moments throughout the whole movie it was like the laughter was so contagious and it was so pure and you're infectious. back to where you sit people in a yeah, comedy cause, club because because I'm not in any way saying that Meet the Parents is the funniest movie they ever made yeah but that moment on the mushrooms with the people that I, we we all cared about each other and like trusted each other to the umpteenth degree and it was it yep. was it yep. was chaos it mm. was chaos mm. I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna shit my pants <laughs> like I was like because you know how because that's the fear when you it's like you laugh so much. And now your now your core, you can't squeeze what you you know yes. you can't you can't pull. I don't know what yeah. the word is. Your sphincter is gonna give. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like that's the last muscle I'm gonna have strength. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. You know, and all of your muscles are relaxing. How far does this go? Right, right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and we, I mean, and and one of the parts of the movie, um, one of the parts of the movie that I think really like started a. Like a tidal wave, where it was, it was a thing where, the, where he, it was just a comment about something being made of wood. The hopa? I don't, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember because I don't remember the exact quote. But, but, well, you were watching the mushroom cut of this movie too. You don't even know, man. You don't but, even know. But I'm telling you, it was. It's the most. It was. It's the most hearty and long and deep I've ever laughed in my whole life. And the tightness of the group, I think, is a huge part of that story. Yeah, because you know, because you know, it can it can get the rolling sometimes, mm-hmm. where 
it sometimes what's funny is that the laughter's happening. Of course. And then somebody else, somebody has a certain kind of laugh, or somebody's laughing so hard, and then you laugh because they're having yes, so much yes, fun, and yes. then it's the, it's this yes. it's this weird sort of group intimacy. That's right. That's you know, right. And it was it's like music or something. It's like you're making this song yeah, of and, laughter. And mushrooms make it so like you can't you all your walls to try to lie to yourself are gone. Yeah, that's and right. And so you, if you think something's the slightest bit funny, it's you're the laugh. floodgates are coming out. That's right. You don't have to try and look cool. Well, that's not that funny. You're not even thinking about that's that. That's right. You're not even Sometimes I give that. audiences shit. I'm like, why are you grading my jokes? Just <laughs> laugh. We all die one day. Just laugh. I'm trying to make you laugh. Yeah. Why, are you, why are you resisting this? That's yeah. great. I want to pull a gun out one day. On Just stage? Like, yeah, it's like, laugh, goddammit. <laughs> oh, my God, please don't. No, no. Because, <laughs> well, you could never get away with that, but it would be <laughs> hilarious if you could. I think it's Judy Carter. No, it was Paula Poundstone used to take out money. And give it to the biggest laugher. She'd take her wallet out and give them money. That was her way of being that's, like... That's be, brilliant. Isn't that funny? Be like this person. Yeah, I just give people a pat on the back. I, I always go up to the best audience member, and I say it in front of everyone. Really? After. Yeah. I go, you were the best audience member. You two, you had the that's best. That's so funny. Yeah. Now, at the beginning of the show, you have to say, I just want you to know, at the end, I'll be telling the best laugher who they oh, were. Oh, yeah. Then, then people will know, the competitive people will be like, it's got to be me. Ha, ha, ha. Right, and it'll help you. And I, I get that sponsored by Sprite or something. Of course, and I'm giving them this free. <laughs> when did Sprite become the black soda? By the way, I don't. Know. Um, I, I was don't know. there. You were there I, when I, it happened. We're similar age. I think it was nineties. Yeah, it was the nineties, and I think they just took a chance. They took a chance. Yeah, they were like, I think they might have seen a trend. I guess. Yeah, because you know what was you know what was so devastating to me about that is mm. when I learned that there's only like two soda companies. Right, Pepsi, I was like, because I've no, seen Coke, right? Right, right. And Sprite, I think Sprite is Coke. Sprite is Coke. And so, Seven uh, Up is Pepsi. And, Seven Up, kind of a white guy drink. Yeah, but I remember. So it's not lemon lime. Well, yeah, except it's, it's not the lemon lime that makes it. It depends on what it's mixed with. Okay. Oh, seven and seven. A lot is, of old black folks like yeah, Seagram, seven. Se- Seagram and seven, yeah, seven, 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 seven. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, they, they old black folks. <laughs> like yeah, that. there's like like because yes. because it, it before it was Newports, it was Cools. I remember, right? And so that it was it was that but generation that, like, that you can just see what's fucked up about. And this is a real Brian Simpson topic. These decisions are being made by somebody, meaning they're going. Let's market Cools to the African American Hollywood, community. yeah. Or, or and let's market Sprite. Meaning, in the same yeah. way that Mark Zuckerberg can go like, let's influence an election in Mongolia. <laughs> marketing executives can go like, hey, this brand of television is struggling. Let's market it towards the Korean immigrant population, and they'll spend money. And before you know it, a couple generations pass, and Korean families are like, I don't know why we've always had Panasonic. Like that's just like that's oh, our yeah. brand. Meaning. It's kind of just weird. <laughs> like you want to believe in the Illuminati or whatever. I would love to do a sketch like that where they just try to like things Let's that see are if failing. We, yeah. They just try to market it to black people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you just you just see a commercial and it's like <laughs> it's like some kids on the basketball. It's like what you don't watch Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> You don't need baby carrots. Yeah, or they, or they, yeah, or they, just, they get, they get, some, they get, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they get some, really they get some actors to be like, oh, gosh, Pagash is lit. <laughs> but that's my point. Yeah. Nothing is inherently or organically. Maybe back, 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 back in like the turn of the century, it was. But nowadays, like the fact that I. I don't know. Apple products are for creative people. That was a message that was designed okay, so in you, a lab. You just touched one of my buttons. Hit it. I'm a I'm a I'm a gadget person. 
hit it, gadget. Like, that's one of my passions. It's like, well, go, go, I, gadget. I love, I love all the newest gadgets and stuff like that. And I admired your watch. It's a cool watch. Thank you. Samsung. Not an Apple watch. Not an Apple watch. No, I noticed. No, but people, Apple has pulled off the biggest heist hit of it. people. Hit it. Because, because the people... And so many comics do this. <laughs> Comedians. You are coming to life. They believe, they honestly believe that having it that having an iPhone makes their phone the better than mine. Yes. Yes. It, I'm, and, of and, course and, they and do. Yeah, because the, it's it's every so many comics have jokes about feeling sorry for Android people yes. or seeing those the green bubbles. Seeing the green bubbles. Green bubbles. It's like, Which you, by the way is part of the marketing. White oh, headphones, oh, yeah. green bubble. They want you to know that they, you're you not know in the club. You're not in the club, right. Yes. But it's like you don't know anything about technology. Apple and listen, Apple makes some of the best products. And if you go with an Apple, you got a fine product. But you thinking that it's a status symbol is the problem. Right? Well, that's what I'm saying is that's been manufactured. Right, exactly. Because I have... Well, look at the Think Differently campaign. It's a picture of Albert Einstein who never used an Apple. And it's like, think differently. That's just claiming, like, <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright, think differently. He didn't use an Apple, but it doesn't matter. You're just building an image. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I have a Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Edit that out. Really? I'm just kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> so I, I was He's like, I didn't really. know who your sponsor was. No, 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 no. no, but, no. But, but it was like, that's... We are surrounded by Apple products. That was the right best now. phone from Samsung last year. Okay. And then until so they came out with the, the S20. And you think it's S22 better. this year, right? No, it's, it is. It, well, it's the, it, here's the deal. It may not be hands down better at everything than the iPhone 12. Sure. Which is a great phone. It's one of the best phones and it's the best at a lot of stuff. But I'm talking about, it's people, it, there's people with an iPhone 7. That think that think it's that better. yeah because they saw because they got a green bubble for me that uh they're yeah. like Brad I thought you just got a Netflix thing why you still got a I'm like motherfucker you're not it, it, you know what it is it, it's almost like it's almost like you know how this year we all just found out about like Maybox and shit like that I mean not this year but like recently what's Maybox May, a Maybox a, a Maybox is like is like Mercedes extra luxury for okay. rich people shit, okay. right? Okay. And and I remember, you know, we didn't know what all of that was. So it was like, you know, if you ask somebody, it, it, uh, that's probably not a good analogy. My point is, if you ask somebody that doesn't know shit about cars, what the best car is, and they just go, oh, a Corvette. Because that's just what they know. Right. But, there's, but people that are in the cars know about the car that you don't... That, that's right. That, that's right. You know, I understand. It's, it's like, so it's like app, Apple is for people that want to seem like tech people. Which is a Corvette. Dude, I've been, I wrote it down. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but uh, the Dodge Charger is just a Camry for bros. <laughs> exactly. You see so many Dodge Chargers, and I'm like, that feels like similar. It's like, you don't really know cars, but you just want to have a muscle car, so you get a Dodge and Charger. It's a, and it's not a bad car. It's not a bad car. It's no, an iPhone. But it's, it's, an iPhone. it's not automatically the best car. No, no, no. no, no. And, and again, let me, let me make, be clear, because people are going to come for me for this. Mm-hmm. Of all the things we've talked about, this is the thing I'm going to get the most shit That's about. That's so funny. There are, there are years where if you buy an iPhone, you've bought the best phone. Sure. But not every year. But not every year and not in every way. Right. And 
and your you know your shitty iPhone from 2010 is not better than my phone. <laughs> but why do you why do you do you like having it? That's what I always think. I'm like, you want to be different, right? You- do I like? No, no, I know, I know, I love having it because it's it's. Like, again, because look, iPhone is for people that don't. It's not. It's not really for stupid people. It's for people that don't. That Give want. It, the, they don't care. It's no. It's a walled garden. Everything just works. Yes. There's no. You know. There's no issues because Apple. Because Apple makes the software and the hardware, and yeah. only for that. Android has to work on a bunch of different kinds of. So it's true that the shittiest phone is an Android phone somewhere. <laughs> but Android is just an operating system that can go on any phone. Mm. So it's like, I, I can put Android on a fucking j- jumbo jet, you know, and it's like, it, it, it's be- that's better than an iPhone. You know, you understand what I'm saying? I do. So it's one of those things where iPhone is for people that just don't want to have to fucking tinker or it's not for passionate gadget people. No. And I, you know what your number one evidence is me. Right. And dude, I will concede right now that I have an iPhone because I want to look like a fancy bitch. (laughs) I want to look, I want, it's easier than carrying around a piece of of cardboard in my pocket that says I have a thousand dollars. And it's a, it's a great phone for that. And it's a great phone for that. Wait a minute, where's my phone? I threw it away. It's, it slipped, it's, it's right there on the arm. I love that you didn't even laugh at I threw it away. Oh, You're just like, no, seriously, where's my phone? Uh, Yeah. Well, let me let me show you something. Can your iPhone do this, Pete? Let me see. What's it about to do? Is it going to light a cigarette? What's happening? Is there a one hitter in there? <laughs> oh, there's a little. There. Oh, oh, oh. Call Pete. He wrote "Call Pete" with a little stylist. Mm-hmm. And oh, and it's calling me. Wait, we don't. You don't have my no, number. No, 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 no. That's just a note. Oh, it made a note. Right, right. Okay. So like when so it replaces my pad. So when I jot it down, that's why I have this. I see. So like when I want to jot something down so I don't have to carry around. So it's like a Newton, but it works. Remember the Uh, Newton? No. How old are you? I'm 38. You lied just now. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm I'm 38. You just didn't, you had to think about it. You should know what the Newton is. The Newton was the- No, I'm 39. I just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, I'm 39. That was the handwriting mechanism for the Apple, but it came out in like 1995, so it was way too soon. So now it works. That was before, well, I was in the gadgets before that, but I couldn't afford any. Yeah. No gadget gadget interest is not for the the flat broke. No, you don't no. see too much. Well, well, you can be you can be interested, but you can't be an enthusiast. That's right. Before I could afford any stuff, I was reading the magazines no. about it. You know, if you like if you're flat broke, you all you got is the the crate challenge. <laughs> that thing's gonna kill somebody. It's probably already has. Yeah, it's just the video hasn't been released yet. Yeah, but why are people shocked about it? I don't know. It's like people, these are the same people that were swallowing Tide Pods. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. These we, are the Tide Potters. We got to stop letting them off the hook. We need to keep a glossary of all the things. Do you think there's a pastor that goes less Tide Pod and more Tithe Pod? Yeah. And then he passed the collection. He's <laughs> like, mix your Tide Pod with your sheep, dewormer. <laughs> well, Brian, this was great. I feel like the last 45 was extra special because we both got like real, like it just became like a hang. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of hot in here, and we both just kind of, like, melted into a really great uh, talk, and I appreciate yeah. it. See me when you see me, iPhone user. Whip it out. <laughs> but don't elbow you in the face because no, you're going down. don't do that. And. But whip it out. Push buttons. <laughs> Let's compare features. <laughs> he 
said it kind of kind of tough but also like a little sexy <laughs> compare features it was, it was like kind of that was a lot of things right there right um brian you're hilarious i think i made that clear i'm so glad you came on thanks for doing it and i can't wait to i'm gonna watch this is a real compliment I'm going to watch your Netflix special for pleasure. <laughs> like, uh, for fun. At the end of the day, I'm going to put it on. You might be real disappointed, though. Why? Because, this, the, you know, it's, very, it's a very real possibility that the six minutes you saw at Just for Laughs is, like, my only good six minutes. I watched every other clip I could find on YouTube. Almost every other clip. Right. Cause, so I burned my other good six minutes on Spade. Mm-hmm. And then the just for laughs is the other good six minutes. I will take that bet that you have. <laughs> it's a it's a half hour special. Yeah, I bet. I, if you were a stock, I would buy stock. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Good. Yeah, it's gonna be good. And I bet people are gonna love it. Comes if out. It has com- that fire. Comes out joke. in the fall. Is the fireman joke the closer. Nope. Oh, the, you haven't heard the joke. That's the closer. Look at you. Yeah. You had something that can follow the fireman joke. That fireman joke. Yeah. Actually, that's. Yeah, that's well, I'll tell you. Beginning. I'll tell you after we get off. He flickered. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Did you try that tag I gave you about the uh, when you get pulled over? You know, any other time there's lights and sirens, it means you I won something. I I did try it, but I but it wasn't. It didn't get its due. No, because because you know because you when you told me that tag, it was like the next week I recorded. Oh wow! So I didn't have time to like test it. A, oh okay, yeah, no, there was no chance. There yeah. was, it but was it was never. it's a great tag. I should have thought of it. Gotta get real, get real. Thank you, Brian. We have the guests say the catchphrase at the end of the episode. I'm so glad you're here. It's keep it crispy. Would you say keep it crispy? Yeah, well, like well, when you stuck the safety pin and the emphasis the on the what? On the crispy? I think crispy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Keep it crispy. Wow, a little, a little, a little. Let's take, take a little bit off of it. <laughs> Will you say, no, you said, no, you said, no, that was it. Okay, that gonna, was, keep it crispy. Oh, yeah. I like that. Now say it like you said, whip it out. Like kind of the <laughs> that sort of like keep it crispy. That's good. That's good. Keep it crispy. No one saw that coming. Keep it crispy. Nice. So which word I'm trying to figure out which word to emphasize to make keep it, it crispy. Yeah. Yeah, keep it crispy. Keep it's it, like yeah. keep it. Crispy. It's like Subway. Eat fresh. Keep it crispy. Oh, right, right. Okay. It kind of has that. Keep it crispy. Very good. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Let's yeah. get you to your video game. Oh, man. That was so much fun. That was great. My eyes are crispy.